From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight it's a classic. We are talking about Event Horizon. Event Horizon, this is your spoiler warning if you've not seen this film. You're you, silly. You're you very silly. You should see it. <laughs> but go watch it. Yeah. It is available on Netflix. It's also available at op shops for $2, yes. as we found out. Yes, I bought it for $2. I was and very excited. all over the place. You can probably find it like on a bootleg YouTube channel, really. Come back and listen to us and hear us prattle on about how awesome it is. Yeah, definitely. So if you're back now after watching it, Event Horizon is basically a sci-fi horror. It's directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. When he did this, it was Paul Anderson. Um, and written also by Philip Eisner and starring a couple of big superstars of the sci-fi world. Good old Sam Neill, not Australian, even though we like to claim him as Australian. Yeah, like all good Australian actors, <laughs> he's actually from New Zealand. That's right. And was born and in Ireland. Lawrence Fishburne. Good old Loza. Yeah, it just like... This film came after The Matrix, but it's like it you can't... It was filmed before The Matrix. Oh, right. No, it was. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's this, the other way around. It's I 1997, watched it after, I watched it after The Matrix. <laughs> yes, I was... Because yeah. it had Lawrence Fishburne, and that's when it was released in Australia. <laughs> that's why I get mixed up. I this get is mixed back up. before the world of streaming, when yeah. a movie would be made in America and released in 1997, and then they would withhold it because Titanic was released in 98, mm. and they withheld it, and then Matrix was a hit, and they went, hey, Lawrence Fishburne's also in this one. Yeah. We're released in Australia. Yeah. Why not? And basically, it's about a, a spaceship that goes missing. It reappears many years later. And the rescue crew, led by Captain Lawrence Fishburne. Captain <laughs> That's not his character name, but I, I just thought, Captain, Captain. Oh, my Captain. And uh, they basically, their, their, their mission is to go and, you know, check it out. And Sam Neill was the original creator of the event horizon the name of the ship and they go and they delve into the pitfalls of this very special ship to find out what went wrong sorry so what was your number one takeaway there's uh simple little phrases that if you say it one way perfectly innocent in fact, inviting even, say it another way, not so much. All about tone, sorry. It's all, all about, about tone. tone. The, the example I like to use is, I've got such sights to show you. Oh, please show yeah, me. Yeah, it's like, here we go, this is a, a natural waterfall. Look at this double rainbow, it's awesome. Oh, lovely. Alternatively, you could say, I have such sights to show you. <laughs> yeah, you probably don't want to see those sights. Yeah, that's, I'd steer my great. children away from you very quickly. They're not the sights you want. <laughs> no, they aren't. Fair enough. So it's all about tone, you think, Event Horizon? Tone. A lot of Event Horizon is tone. For example, if you hear 
um, you can hear this sort of sound. Oh, oh, ah, oh. And you're kind of going, oh, that sounds a bit saucy. <laughs> now you throw in a bit of static, some splashes of blood, and. Uh, and Latin. And Latin, and suddenly <laughs> it doesn't sound quite so interesting. No, no, I don't know what porn you're watching. I'm, I'm never into the porn with the Latin. Fun fact: porn actors were actually used to stage that scene. Of course, it might, it might. You know what? Now that you say that, it makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I got to watch this. I got to watch this on the big screen when it did come out, delayed in Australia. I, I was quite young, so I was, I was, um, I got to see it, and it really. I mean, I've, got, I've said this before on Space Brains. If you go back to early episodes, horror was a big part of my teenagehood. So I loved horror. And this was also crossing over to my other love, science fiction. So it kind of like, dong, dong, ticked Oddly both enough, boxes. It's, it's a rare occasion when sci-fi and horror meet. Mm, yeah. There's, there's very few films that do it. Like, hey, it's right. Genuinely horror. Yeah. You get a lot of movies where there might be some, a, a jump scare or yeah, or similar. Of course. But, but genuine yeah, this was this was a. I, I reckon this is basically a mix between Aliens and uh, Hellraiser. Yeah, it, and I, I'm glad you said that because I think um, you know, look, Aliens is scary. It is very scary, but I mean, the horror in this is a bit more on the Hellraiser side. Yeah, more, you know, it's like Clive more graphic. Barker yeah, it's a bit more Clive stuff, Barker yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Um, so. Yeah, it's time for you to ask me a question. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. Uh, allow us to look at our notes. Yes. What do uh, the notes say, Siri? Uh, well, okay, so that's that's my number one takeaway. Mm. And we'll just cut out that little bit about the notes. Okay, we can cut yeah. out the notes. Uh, is, this a, is this a movie of hope, warning, or is it an experiment? Warning, warning, warning. <laughs> I don't think it's hope, is it? No, really? it's not hope. There's no hope in this really this at is, all. This is not portraying science as being a saviour or helper at all. No. Nor it, are we trying to figure out what you know, might come from a per, uh, you know, social situation. Yeah, or it's not an experiment. This is, well, this no. is an experiment you don't want to do, basically. This is, this is the one that says, yeah, okay, now we know what a gravity drive does. Let's avoid that. Yes. And, I mean, like, later when you talk about the science, I mean, I'm, I don't know what you're going to talk about particularly, but, I mean, this, when I was watching this again this time around, I thought, wow, this, this is where it also, why it is a horror, because it's, it fits that genre so well because it's, it's a pure warning, isn't it? They've you know, like, got a number like, of hard sci-fi elements in this. Like, they do. Like they, they have the gravity couches in they order do. to stand the acceleration yep. they're going to undergo. Yep. Uh, they're talking about an ion drive, which is what you need in order to yep. achieve high levels of speed, not necessarily acceleration, but, uh, you know, certainly... The, the, the throw, and I've, I've spoken about iron drives before, I think maybe way yes, back from have. passengers. Yep, yep. But they're the things that you need. If you want to be traveling at a decent clip, you need an ion drive. They speak about like the, you know, the gravity not working inside when they discover Event Horizon. So, I mean, the science is definitely here and that's what makes this film that sort of perfect mix. But all horrors have to start, like they have to be about some sort of warning in a way. There has to yeah, be. They're, they're all pretty, horrors, much... there's always a warning they're fairy tales, yeah. Fairy tales of the grim variety, not the Disney variety. And generally, as well, they are. You know, if you go to Blake Schneider, he always says that there has to be a, um, you know, like people commit a sin or something wrong that then results in the trauma or the horror. Yeah. As a, 
you know, as a punishment, like horrors are a punishment for doing something wrong. So all of those, like if you take Friday the 13th, oh, sorry, let's go have underage sex in the cabin. You know, it's like, and then Jason's going to slice the living daylights out of you while you're having sex because Because you shouldn't be having sex. Yeah. So, Uh. so, and if you look at most horrors, it's, it's right. Like most of the time, the main character, even the main character does something, sins, does something wrong. and And a lot of the science fiction horrors, that might be considered sciencey fictiony. Yeah, are usually that you know you're going into places you shouldn't go. Yeah, you're which exploring, is what you know, like so you're, you're talking. Uh, I guess even your some of your zombie films yeah. or your yeah, yeah. outbreak, all, yeah, horrors, um, yeah, virus killing everyone, that sort of thing. Uh, clones, yeah, and 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 some of the space aliens invading type of deal. They're all that same sort of. They do cross. You're, you're probing knowledge that you yeah. shouldn't be involved. Well, with. remember Predator. The they did talk about the, and we talked a lot about it. But like they talked about, you know, the Americans kind of like, you know, that that boosting the South American rebels. You know, like so it was like illegal, non democratic stuff going on. And this is their punishment. Is that yeah, this aliens kind of come down? They're getting what they deserve, and that's the same here. That Sam Neill's character, Doctor Weir, is kind of like he's invented something, and I liked that. And did you notice this? That you know, we had that big moment. And we'll get into the plot in a few moments, but we had that big plot moment where he talks about the science of it, but mm. then later reveals to them once they get to the ship that in fact it was a black hole where they were talking about traveling faster than the speed of light and all that sort of stuff was the science. But he held back on the idea of a black hole. And that's the yeah. bit that really then tells me. Well, he also held back on the fact not only was it a black hole, but he, he really didn't know. Because they said, what's inside? You know, it's, it's complex. Yeah. So he's saying, well, it's not complex to say black hole. Something's messed up, but, but I don't was, know. There was definitely a feeling or a sense that is like he was using the term black hole almost as like a an escape way of saying. Because he admitted, I don't, I don't really know what's going on no, in there. Like, no. So you get the feeling that yeah, basically he's uh, he has kicked up a, a hornet's nest here, and he he doesn't know what he's what, really yeah, done. What's what he's really done? But it, so that that's the sin, isn't it? That's the sin. Like it, it's not it's not traveling faster than the speed of light. It's actually the fact that he's used these wormholes. He's used a black hole to really make it work. And, so and like, there's a, a little bit of there's a little bit of a yeah. There's just dece- straight away there's deception there. And and you, he sent a crew of people on the ship. Possibly without telling them what yeah, exactly was right. going on, and this crew was coming without really knowing the yeah. truth. So there's a lot of that's what I mean. There's there's Weir's character, and that's all it takes. It just takes one person, and because he's he's got the power position anyway, it just takes one person doing all the wrong things. You know, that's the sin that's going on. So to me, it's like warning. If we're going to, in one day, sorry, we've talked a lot about the science of this show. We're going to send people faster than the speed of light. We're going to use well, wormholes or something like that. People were being concerned about the Large Hadron Collider. What, what are we going to bring back? We're going to we bring back the, some pure evil. Had the possibility of creating singularities. Yeah. Uh, they'd be very, very small, short-lived. Mm. But there was, there was uh, people were concerned, not physicists, concerned that they could switch on the Large Hadron yeah. Collider and end the world. Yeah. So that's a horror just waiting to happen right there. It is. There, there's your next horror movie, Hollywood. There we go. Copyright Space Brains 2020. Yeah. You heard it from us first. <laughs> we want to option it. Okay. What have you been up to in the world of... 
Well, I've been vomiting on social media. Yes, no, you have. I have been attempting to provide genuine value to social media. Yeah. Uh, I've also noticed that the original Star Trek series is now on Netflix with Captain Kirk and so on. And I'm Kirky. curious. It's been quite a few years since I've really watched any of that. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm, uh, I've, I've also got Next Generation. I, I'm kind of considering checking out a couple of those episodes. Yeah, I think you should. Uh, there's a couple of sort of famous ones that I, I might rewatch. Um, there's a little show I just stumbled across. It's new to HBO called Avenue 5, I think. Avenue 5, is that right? I think that's right. So it's about a ship and it's a drama, oh, comedy, sci-fi. Is, yes, this is that one. It's yeah. got the dude, uh, Hugh, is it Hugh Laurie House? Yes, you know, the House. guy that played House, the British uh, actor. Uh, and a, a suite of American very funny comedians that have been in shows like The Office and Parks and Recs and stuff. And um, But basically, yeah, there's two episodes so far that are available and uh, very funny sci-fi. Yeah, very I've funny. seen the yeah. ads for that. That's the one about the it's a the big it's like, spaceship. It's a gone cruise off. ship, and it's gone off tangent because of a, yeah, a, 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 a small, yoga class. <laughs> yeah, small deviation yeah. is navigation, and they don't realise that. Then now the ship is going to take like an extra five years to get back to Earth, and, and the, they're all a bit like the trajectory. The, the boss is on board, and he's like a <laughs> yeah, almost like a, a, a parody Joe. of a Silicon Valley tech yeah. bro. Well, they even joke like. Elon Musk, you know, like yeah. Tesla kind of gets joked a lot, but I, it's it's good. I've watched two episodes, very funny. Um, the uh, what I found a bit funny about it as well was when that trajectory stuff was happening, like no one really understood it, and the engineer was trying, she was trying to explain it, and no one was, <laughs> no one's like, but what if we just nudge the ship back the other way <laughs> and stuff like that? So uh, and they had times. like NASA and all these people like back on Earth calculating, going, no, no. Uh, so there's some funny sort of actual science. The, the number of times in my own job as a you know, software engineer trying to, you've got to explain to the business why oh, one yeah. one solution yeah, that seems so similar to the other one is close to impossible to do given budgets and timelines. And the other one is actually really easy to do. Uh, and it, just, it can be difficult trying to come up with the nuances yeah, yeah. there. So that's a new one. Because you said Rick and uh, Rick and Morty, I've I've tuned into that because that is available on Netflix. And I mean, if you're a sci-fi fan, I think you should be watching that. I mean, it does feel I'm I'm new to it. Okay, I'm new to it. And there's four seasons. I've watched a few episodes in a row. It does really feel like it's Doc and Marty, doesn't it? Like from yeah. Back to the Future. And I know you mentioned that maybe the original episode on YouTube yeah, was that. The or original. There's a bit of a a pun of that or whatever. Yeah. Um, but and I really because he's just constantly going Morty, 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 you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, once you and, and his and his scientific explanation is just ludicrous. Uh, yeah, he'll yeah he'll say, well, of course it's a something or other. Yeah. And I just, oh well, yeah, just... you want me to make something for you to make your life easier, do you? <laughs> you know, like, yeah, yeah, it's funny. But I like uh, I. It feels like you could imagine like you and I sitting here and going. We love Back to the Future, which we do, and just kind of going, imagine if we took those characters and just made them like extreme versions of that, you know? Mm. Like, you know, so you really take the Doc because then Rick and Morty's like alcoholic and he's, you know, he's older and he's crazier. And, you know, so it's like, what if you just sort of really push that envelope to another realm, you know? Another and level, and, and that, that, that's pretty much what it is. So it's hilarious. I really, I really enjoy it. So you should be watching that. So there's two 
sci-fi shows I think people should be watching. And you're suggesting the Star Trek yeah, going there's, back. There's um, a couple of famous Her. episodes there. There's one, uh, I think, either written or co-written by William Gibson or someone other famous. Uh, there's a couple of good ones in there that, yeah, yeah. that need to be explored. Definitely. And it says a lot like it leads you down that path of, you know, what a lot of this homage in other shows can be. Well, you the know? interesting thing is also some of the tech that they were using on Star Trek, like their communicators, are like flip phones. Yeah, and they their way of transmitting data or interfacing with the computer was like a little block, yeah. which you could say was, it was very much like a three-and-a-half-inch floppy disk, which, of course, nowadays is quite defunct. But go back to 967, and such a thing did not even think of existing uh so that, that was quite good and they had the little tablet computer type things that they'd, they'd use uh voice interaction uh quite a lot of um stuff has, has come to reality really so it always makes me think and it leads into Lawrence fishburne but in the matrix of those flip phones you know yeah <laughs> that phone looks like, like if you watch the matrix now you can't help but like kind of laugh at the phone but then but then the cleverness of it is if you really take that film on well they do tell us that the the story the matrix is stuck it's built for 1999 so it's yeah, almost it's, like well that's the excuse it'd be like saying going back to like a movie a movie set in 1890 and saying well there's no cars you know like well, there was no cars, you know, like in mass production. So it's kind of like, well, yeah, yeah, that's what the phones were like in 1999, kids, believe yeah. it or not. And if you haven't seen The Matrix, you, you need to. Yeah, just to see the phones, the Nokia. And you need to remember what year it was made because so much has been built to build off the technology they developed, but also the the tropes they introduced and the ways of their, um the cinematography that the oh, yeah. Wachowskis oh, yeah. brought into it, yeah. that... Yeah, I, I fear that people watching, you know, a modern person now, say a 20-year-old who would have been only just born when the when Matrix was coming out, even. goes and watches The Matrix and they might go, oh, geez, what a rip-off of yeah. this and, and what, oh, how, oh, it's yet another one of those action sequences. You yes. go, no, you have to understand this was the first. Yeah, this is the big first commercial version of First use of bringing that. Uh, look, anyway, we're talking about a different movie tonight. Yeah, and that will be another. We do we're, need to do that as a classic. We will maybe do that. episode thirty. <laughs> maybe that will be our next classic. So our classic is Event Horizon, nineteen ninety seven, from the United States. Um, now, look, directed by Paul W S Anderson, he has gone on and made a bucket load of sci fi horrors. Especially He's made Resident the Evil Resident Evil series all the way through. Uh, he's he even married. married Mila, the, he's, he's her third husband. Oh, How's that? She goes through, mate. She has. Well, her first one, she married um, uh, one of the co-actors of Dazed and Confused, and they were like sixteen. They actually got annulled very quickly. Oh, okay. So I don't know if that one really counts. I don't know. That's a practice. Yeah, that's a practice. But then she married a major screenwriter director as well from Hollywood. Um, and uh, that lasted a couple of years. But with him, they've been together a long time. They've had a few kids and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, so, yeah, they've been a um, bit of a working force, haven't they, in the sci-fi horror, f- yeah, they got obviously, that, together. You I know? reckon there's about a, a billion dollars of revenue from the mm. Resident Evil movies? You know, it's the same with, and I'm not going to get his name, but Kate Beckinsale, is that her name, isn't it? She's the Australian in the actress, underworld. the Underworld, the director of that, they're married, yeah, and he's made all of those films. 
So it's a similar kind of partnership. It would make things a lot easier working together because one yeah. of the problems I see with Hollywood celebrity couples is, yeah, when do they get to see each other? If they're That's off right. making movies all the time or attending gala events and yeah. and junkets and Whereas whatever else. If they're doing it all for the one movie, well, then they're basically just hanging out all the time, aren't they? Make doing, something, doing something they enjoy doing. Yeah. So anyway, so that's um, and good old Anderson. For some reason, I don't know if you found out why he's added his those initials in. I'm not. I'm not too sure. But he started off. Now he made this is a little tidbit. He made uh, he made some cool stuff in Britain. All right, he's a British filmmaker, and the Americans noticed him, and they he was offered Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, and yeah. he did Mortal Kombat, and it was a huge blockbuster. Despite and it being a dreadful, despite film. it, yeah. Okay, we won't get into that. Jean Claude Van Damme and Jean Claude Van Damme. Kylie Minogue, uh, and what's no, his name no, that, who died from the Adams? No, that's that's Street Fighter. Is that one you're thinking? Now, oh, Mortal it is. Kombat was, um, it is, isn't it? Jeez, I'm having a real uh, clash. Conor McLeod, Clay yes. McLeod from the the. So, oh, man, I really clash those over in my brain. What's his then. name? Yes. Sort of French actor fellow. He he was he he played Raiden in the in the Mortal Kombat. He so, did, didn't he? Um, oh God, no. No, but Street Fighter did quite well as well. That yeah. was in a, in a sort of a campy sort of way. Was... Neither of them very good. No, but <laughs> I I have a feeling they they appealed more to. Uh... I was a teenage boy at the time. I was the audience of those. Yeah, movies. I think they appealed to the people who liked the games. I liked the games. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, they just didn't I, look. I enjoyed them, but you know. They just the, they the, number, like, the numbers don't lie. No. A lot of people found them quite good. And that's all they anyway cares. But anyway, what I wanted to say was the tidbit here is so he made a very he he was building a huge career. He made some really successful um, small films, etc. He made himself known in Britain. He was offered Mortal Kombat. It was a huge blockbuster, uh, and then he was basically given a plethora of scripts to pick mm. from, including some films that were eventually made by other people that became blockbusters. And yet he decided to kind of say, "Nah, I'm going to go make an R-rated sci-fi horror," and that was Event Horizon. And um, it didn't do very well, did it? At the movies, it kind of bombed. But luckily, as the years went on, it became a real sort of niche market of what we call a cult classic, sorry. The one that lasts. Well, it's one of the things it, it did. It cost $60 million to make. So it was not a cheap film. No, no, no they not, threw money at this. This is 1997 film. Yep, as well. It's being $60 million on an R-rated horror. Yeah. That's like... Sci-fi horror. Yeah, that's sort of usually box office poison. Yeah. And yeah, sure enough, it made twenty-seven million or something. So it made so it bombed. That's a that's half. a real bomb. Less than half, and like because we've we've covered other movies here where they have been claimed to bomb, and they've made back more than that they yeah they made well one hundred twenty million dollars, and they only made you know uh, one hundred eighty million. Uh, you sort of go well, yeah, that's not a real because that, that was that After Earth with Will yeah, Smith, that's and where right. I, I think I think they're expecting with the star power that they're going to get a whole lot more, yeah, a billion just, dollars. But yeah, and we've so, talked about that. So this one here, less less than half the money box office, but it's an R-rated horror. You've got to expect almost no one sees R-rated horrors in cinemas because the people who want to go to cinemas to watch horror movies are sort of 15 to 16, 17-year-olds. And if the cinemas are kicking them out because they're not 18, the 18-year-olds are, you know, 
you, you'll get some, but certainly any of the larger adults, yeah. you get, I mean, older then, adults just not going to do it. Yeah, and you can't, you know, like adults, adult men can't necessarily, like it's not a date movie, you know, so you can't really take, you know, no. I mean, there'd be a few, yeah, but like majority, you know what I mean? My, lots wife, of the, my wife's not yeah. going to be into it. It's not going to, it's not going to get, you know, the whole date night she's, moving She's watched well. it, but she, she kind of like was a fairly, yeah, a bit ambivalent about yes. it. But you can you can understand. so then you're down to kind of like the crazy you know people our age you know middle aged men going sitting in the back of the movie theater. Let's not dis- dis- you know, discount the middle aged nerdy women. No, no. But the, the people that are going to willing to go out and pay money to do that on their yeah. own, it's only going to be a few. It is yeah, yeah, like a few it's... thousand. But you're talking about like thousands of dollars. But when this fella hit the. Uh, the DVD or video, it sort of builds VHS an audience. And the D- DVD, I think, I think I watched it on VHS. Yeah, should have. Or DVD. One of Maybe I, DVD. I, I, I Might have been one of those like, you know, when DVD first came out and it was mm. really schmicko and you know started to revolutionise the way home entertainment was shown, without the graininess. Yeah, I never VHS. noticed the graininess of VHS until I got DVD. <laughs> and then I went back to try and watch Galaxy Quest. I had a VHS of Galaxy Quest. I thought oh, Galaxy Quest is a good Couldn't one. Watch it. And I just, yeah, it was just like half tuned in. It was just, oh, oh it was appalling. I just yeah. going, oh, well, chuck those tapes out now. So anyway, it built a big audience to the point that they thought, let's do a director's cut. And they went to do a director's cut. And they this is a crazy thing. I mean, I don't even understand this happens with such a big film. But the a lot of the original film had been destroyed. Well, like, Paul, weird. Paulo originally put together a very quick cut of about a two-hour long movie. And he agreed. He went, no, that's too long. And the test audiences said, yeah, too long and way too gory. Far more disturbing than what we're interested in. I'd which like is, to see that. Which is funny because since then we've had movies like Saw and Hostel, which are you know, renowned for being quite uh, stomach-turning. So, And he agreed, no, that's okay. But the one hour 30 that came out, he said it was too short. Yeah. Needed there was 10 minutes of footage he, he really wanted to put back in there, but they said, no, we have to go with this because Titanic's coming out in a couple of months. And, and goes we for three do not hours. want to put an R-8 horror up against Titanic. <laughs> no. And we need a hit. Wasn't uh, a hit. <laughs> it wasn't a, wasn't a hit that they wanted, but which is a real shame. And I'm, so, I'm glad Paul went on and got to do other movies. Yeah, I'm glad too. this didn't like tank him or anything crazy. Like. Uh, but yeah, so the yeah that 10-minute extra... It was just, yeah, it got lost because this is back in 97 where footage was yeah, actual celluloid film. film. And it gets recycled and, and, and chucked out. Like the amount of, the number of reels they must have right. in Hollywood studios would just be outrageous. Uh, the best thing was, uh, I think, his buddy, the, the, the scriptwriter, had a VHS of the original cut. But, yeah, as we just said, VHS is like bad quality. And it was the original cut, which was not a good film. So there's just, yeah, it wasn't. wasn't a, it, it just seems crazy, but for me, from my point of view of editing short films and stuff myself, that yeah, like you keep everything, mm. and I get Hollywood would probably have warehouses of it, but like you just think that by 1990s they would just be like, oh, yeah, we just keep, it. we just keep it. Mm. Like, you just know, just don't know. Like if they were banking on also being like a hit. Uh, you know, unless that's the thing, unless after it was a bomb, they kind of went, oh, well, well this is like, that curious time before the DVD, you know, re-release director's yeah, cut thing was and like all a the big extras deal. on DVDs that, and that stuff. Was sort yeah. of, 
a couple of years later, like around that turn of 2000-ish, that's very when... true. That's when that happened. That's when we got all those bonus features and the re-releases and all the rest of it. And I don't. I reckon now there'd be... No one would be making a feature-length film and chucking anything out. No, well, now digital, you can... It's just digital storage anyway, isn't it? So it's a lot cheaper. A, a thumb drive to yeah. keep all your cut scenes, right. no worries. Anyway, so that's a little bit about the backstory. So it was good that it's built a cult classic. And I've got to say, sitting down watching this again, sorry, I was not disappointed. How about you? When I first watched it, uh, when I was a youngster, a good 20 years ago, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think I appreciated it quite as well. I remember yeah. it being good and I remember we were very pleased with watching it. My friends and I, we'd... Uh, we're into like the Hellraisers. Yeah. We're into the some of the, the slasher films as well, uh, but certainly a lot of Clive Barker stuff. Yeah, uh, which, geez, I can't even remember. I, c- I couldn't even name some of these movies he's, he's done. We we love that sort of weird sheer hell weird, yeah. dimension uh, evil stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, the Candyman, so all these sorts of things. So we we watched a lot of that and. Um, yeah, so watching it again this time, yeah, I was, I was able to, first of all, pick up more of the story, but also really appreciate the effort that went into the sets and the design yeah. and the, yeah. some of the, the storytelling elements. It was, yeah, definitely. It's not a surprise that it's a cult hit when you look at it. There are, you can see a couple of, couple of shots at a couple of special effects where you kind of go, that looks like it was a bit rushed or it was kind of, um, yeah, not as finessed as what, it could have been, uh, but for the most part, there was some really beautiful moments. Yeah, I, th- I think the thing I seem to remember that, I mean, probably a little bit like you're saying that this film, I saw it at the cinemas and I remember thinking, being really amped up about it, but maybe walking away at the time a little bit um, underwhelmed by it. And I can't, this time watching it, I don't really know why because I watched it this time and went, Far out. This is quite a damn good film. There's a, mm. so much to really like about it on so many different levels. Like a, a, a lot of horror story, films that just don't get yeah, there. There's a lot of references. And I mean, maybe that's when I watched it at the time being, you know, I was probably a late teenager. I might not have gotten some of the references that this film actually has in it. Whereas this time I was like, oh, my God, there's Kubrick. Oh, there's, mm. you know, Clive Barker. Oh, there is sheer horror Oh, they're playing off that kind of there, there poetry of alien art. there for sure. Yeah, there's alien in there. You know, so there was a lot that maybe I just didn't I didn't go, oh ding ding ding, you know, whereas I went to watch it and I don't know what I was expecting. Maybe I was expecting something different. But um yeah, I've got to say, like, if you watch this film with an open eye and really just take it in, uh, it will really deliver, I think. And I mean, on its essence, I'm glad that this cut is so sharp because one thing I've, I've found in this story was it didn't it didn't slow down. Like it is wham bam the whole way through. Really, like a, there's no there's a, there's a couple of breaths. Like there's a scene where Lawrence Fishburne he you know tells his past story about you know leaving the man and the fire, but there's only a couple of scenes like that in this whole story that you have a moment to breathe. Whereas the rest is like bam bam. You know the ship is just delivering nightmare after nightmare on upon this crew there's not really a moment where you you know you breathe again blake schneider talks about you know up and down and up and down in storytelling as in like the audience needs a breath this film doesn't really do that like it's just like <laughs> you know the whole yeah, way you know like 
by the time you get to the point where they're down in the uh, the end of the ship and they're pulling out the, the carbon dioxide scrubbers yeah. and there's no, no good, chuck it. This yeah. one, yep, go, chuck it. No, we need 25. Bang, bang, <laughs> bang. And like the music has got that uh, strings sort of psycho type yeah. intensity. You're just going, just bloody go. <laughs> you don't have time. I know, and I know. Yeah, the whole thing, uh, it's crazy. So, so let's quickly, I think we might have to, we're going to push through this plot, plot. quickly. So we open up uh, with a bit of a, some title cards. Give we us a do. bit of history. Yeah. I, I'm still a fan of less of these. Yes, I am too. Because I'm, I'm wondering, because uh, I thought, and, and every, every time I, I get a voiceover or a yeah. little description, I, I think it was like, okay, I'm going to note to see if any of that was of any value yeah. in the film. And I was watching going, um, maybe a little bit of a mention about the event horizon, but if one of the characters had just sort of said something a bit about the event horizon, could have cut it. But anyway, nonetheless, so it starts off with, you know, um, Colony on the Moon. I see you've got a little list here. You've got yeah. 2015, apparently, we're going to have a Colony on the Moon. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. uh, mining, commercial mining on Mars. Yeah, 2035. Uh, 2040, the event horizon goes off to Neptune and disappears. Yeah. And 2047. Well, it's now. That was the text. I quite liked that. That was so. I think that was Anderson having a little play on the fact of that text. Yeah. But I do wonder again, like, did we really need to know any of that? You know. Yeah. Particularly, it's it's not a rated film, so adults are going to see this. Uh, It's like you don't. You'd hope that most adults now have enough wherewithal to be able to figure this out of the plot. But in the 90s, that was a bit of a thing as well. If you remember in the 90s, a lot of, especially Hollywood, big Hollywood action films and stuff, I know that there was quite a few films that opened with a bit of that text. Yeah. Like, you know, like they, they, I don't know, it was a thing in the 90s. It was mm-hmm. almost like there was, they were like, okay, the story starts now. So, yeah, <laughs> like, so, like, so maybe there was a bit of a trend. Yeah, I think so. So we, we make uh, like a, a slow zoom in on yeah. a spaceship. Which is, uh, it's got this big front head because there was neck. there was sorry to cut you off. Yeah. There was a big, uh, you know, like before any of those numbers, there was a really big opening sequence of credits because that was another thing they did in the nineties, wasn't it? It's oh, like, and the music, like, techno music. How cool was that music? I know. I don't I remember that it. at all. No, I'm, I'm, I'm like, listening to it going dun 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 dun. nineties dark electro. It was sort of. It was hardcore. Orchestral synth. It was just. It was. Fantastic. Like, and and the Matrix does it. Sorry, we keep going back to the Matrix. The Matrix does it. It's like the music in the Matrix. And this this is in the nineties is like the music was really important. Like they really like this was like you I felt like you're in like a goth nightclub here mm. with this sort of music. You know, like it was like that nineties goth, you know, that that synth and that was heavy and it's just those credits are thrown at you, you know, like this is what they did in the 90s. They <laughs> threw credits at you. I'm thinking about some big action movies like The Rock and, you know, Con Air and stuff where it's like, don't, don't. It's like Ooh, there's five minutes, of, uh, five minutes of credits, you know what I mean, before mm. the movie starts. It's like, get your popcorn, sit down, get ready. <laughs> and so, like, the, I think the opening text does, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of it myself, but, yeah, they do do it. So after we have that text, a ship appears, this giant ship appears, uh, in space, and um, we, it, we, we go into it, and we we internal in inside the ship, and basically it's obviously got no gravity. Things are floating around, like watches 
and I think there might be a can, can of Coke or something. Yeah, there's an empty I, soft drink. Is, yeah, those kind of things. Cup, yeah. And then we have a, ma- a dead man floating um, and we sort of like he's spinning around and then we kind of go in on it and he screams. Yeah, yeah, and we go down his throat. Yeah, we go down. We and get to can, black. Yeah, it goes to black. And and uh, waking up is Doctor Weir. Doctor Weir, Sam uh, Neil, Sam Neil character. Yeah. He he wakes up and he goes, "Oh, geez, a terrible yeah. dream." And he, and he kind of grabs you know, his photograph. Yeah, starts holding this photo of a woman. Says her name. I can't remember her name. Claire. Claire. I miss you. And he gets <laughs> up and puts it with like a little sh- a Claire shrine. Yeah, he does. He has and, many photos. Claire. And I, I love this scene here where he's shaving. Yeah. Just right at the start because that, uh, I, I think I probably missed this when I was watching it younger and yeah. I'm watching it and he's sort of shaves and he, he, he moves the, the blade in close and he stops and he takes a breath and he looks back like the bathtub. Yeah. And then his, his hand kind of moves in almost like it's pushing a bit too hard yeah. and then he just continues shaving. Because it's a proper razor. Yeah, it's, you know, a, it's well. a straight razor. It's you a straight know. razor, yeah. And the only time you introduce a straight razor yes. into a film... Someone's going to slit their throat. <laughs> ...is to indicate that maybe it's like a, a kind of a Chekhov's gun, really. Well, it, it is, it is. Yeah. So, it totally is. Like, you don't... You, in movies, you never see, you know, unless it's comedy, but you don't see them with that unless it is about slitting the throat. You know? Yeah, and, and so, yeah, I, I thought that was a great start. Straight off the bat, I'm going. There's tension here. Yeah, is he considering suicide? Uh, is he traumatized by this? Yeah. Like, great writing. And because, it's like Claire was yeah, mentioned. Who is this Claire? Going, oh, okay. Yeah, who is this Claire? What is it? And then, so the other thing is, in the context of that, you don't really know where he is. You know, he's in some tight, um, a, a tight space. Futuristic space. Futuristic space. But then he's at the. He kind of after shaving, he's at this window. And the camera does a complete yeah, like Kubrick upside twirling, down yeah, business, yeah. Starts spinning around and around because that's what his ship would be doing, I suppose. And it's, so it really is a bit disorientated. And in fact, he's on this massive frame of a ship thing, like isn't it? Space like, station thing. It's a, and I think it writes up space station, uh, daylight station. Yeah, that's mm. right. And it's above Earth. So he's above Earth. Uh, he's an above astronaut. the Arabian Peninsula, I think. Yeah. Uh, yep. If I recognise my geography. Oh, well, there you go. I just, I think they wrote that text up. So that's what I picked up. Um, and then we cut to another ship uh, and it write, it does write up some text telling us that this is a Lewis and Clark. Lewis and Clark. <laughs> famous explorers. Famous explorers. And it's a search and rescue. Actually, uh, what was Lewis, what did Lewis and Clark do in the way of searching? Did they eat each other? Surely you wouldn't name a space you after a couple that killed each other and ate each other. We, we might have to Google that. Sorry, okay. I, I don't know. Keep talking about I will Lewis, keep going Lewis and through Clark. the plot about Lewis and Clark. You Google that. So this search and rescue ship that appears is a Lewis and Clark rescue vessel. And the crew, we come in on the crew and they're hardworking. They know what they're doing. They don't know why they're on this particular mission. They question the captain. Oh, captain. My captain. And the captain turns around in his special swivel chair. Did you notice that swivel chair this it time? Ve- it was very noisy. It was <laughs> It was so unnecessary. But it was also so unnecessary. Did you see when they like all got up to go off? Like it took him about like an extra minute to <laughs> goes, like turn. Okay guys. Okay, guys. They also just went off and he's like <laughs> I had to laugh yeah, at that. I'm but not sure what benefit he gained from seeing that. No, but at the time it looked cool because it's, it's a cool. hovering chair. Well he could sort of 
move over to anyone's station. That's right. Yeah, and I, I, and I guess the, the idea is that he's got a seatbelt. So yeah. if you know, when they're coming in close to Neptune, there was, it was a lot of turbulence there. So yeah. he could, he'd be able to go in and... He'd be able to people. hand out, yeah. He was a proper, proper captain, you know, so... But his ship was pretty funny. And this is Lawrence Fishburne, the captain. Um, so, yeah, which is uh, Captain okay, Miller. Okay, Lewis and Clark, they did like the, the cross-country tour of the United States. Right. They were successful. Right. There so you go. Were, I thought so. Like, like a bit like Burke and Wells here in Australia. Yes, they're that They version. died in the desert. They did. Um, but their story is quite interesting. We're not going to go into it right now. That they do have, an, they have a bit of a more interesting tale than people know about. But um, yeah, so Lewis and Clark, we know that they're famous explorers, uh, and so um, this crew don't really know what's going on. They've top, been ordered it's a top secret, a top mission. secret mission. They don't know, um, and so they go down to um, talk to their special. Um, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Weir. Weir, yeah. The specialist. Specialist, on yeah, on board, who they don't know. He's not part of them. They've picked him up. He's part of this mission. Um, and he tries to talk to Lawrence Fisher, Captain Miller, uh, about what they're kind of going to do. But he's saying, um, no, the the idea here is that um, you will... Oh, that's right. He has like a standoff with, with the captain. Mm-hmm. And um, before he's going to go into his, you know, hypersleep sort of station, um, because he's not very comfortable about, about that, is he? We are. No, no, not. he was not comfortable about being on. He, he keeps saying, "If I could just take a few moments of your valuable time," and yeah. no, you can't. No, you can't. Get going. Yes, and it was interesting because they said to We are the chamber. If you if you don't get in the chamber, the force. And I thought you would like yep, this. Thirty Gs. The thirty G force of the ship. Uh, would liquefy your body. That's the line in the movie. Mm. That's the explanation. And I was like, oh, Tasty. that is interesting. But it's cool, isn't it? Because they go into these little tubs. It's like they're like underwater. They've got the snorkel and the mask kind of all Remind turned up. They're in little underwear, in, little bathers. Remind me of the scene in uh, Empire Strikes Back where Luke is in the healing tank with a little mask on. Yeah. It's a, it's a different type of hypersleep, isn't it? It's like you're in water. And like they, they play off that because... They get trapped in it. They wake up in it. And that's always really spooky, isn't it? Like opening your eyes, you're in water. Are you trapped in there? And they play off that later in the film. Um, and so it's this watery solution. And basically that's what actually happens next in the next scene is that it goes to 56 days out. So they've been traveling for 56 days. They're all been asleep in these little um, chambers. And Weir wakes up and he kind of like, you know, do, do, you know, opens up his um, thing and the water pulls out. Everyone else is still asleep um, and he kind of wanders the ship a little bit and he finds Claire, yeah. a woman. A woman is sitting the, naked. The, the, the bridge. The she's sitting chair. on the bridge. She's in the captain's chair. Um, and she, uh, so, yeah, she's, you know, disorientates him. And then when he actually gets to see her up close, she's got no eyes. No eyes, but she looks right at him. Yeah. And so he, like, awakens for real this time. Um, and they all—they're all actually now awake. He's the last one waking up from his hypersleep. And I liked that there was a line here because there is some good Cooper, Cooper played by uh, Richard T. Jones, uh, which I know he's been in a whole bunch of stuff. And thankfully, an easy name to pronounce. I know, I Richard know. We can actually Jones. get that right. Richard Jones, you're out there. <laughs> Hit us up. Um, but he says a great line here. He says he's offering everyone coffee, and then he goes, "Would you like something?" 
uh, hot and black inside you. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> gee, that's that's a bit sexual harassmenty. It's so not. It would it would not be done. Apparently, though, some of the footage they got cut was an exploration of the relationship of Stark and Cooper and things. Mm, yeah. So I, I get the feeling that maybe we sort of saw that they that was starting. They had sort of a bit of a, yeah. a relationship. It wasn't just this. Because, you know, when he said that to you, I, in my mind, I'm going, yeah. oh, that is, that, that's not cool. That's quite hostile to yeah. try and live and work in that arrangement for you're trapped on a ship with some dude who's, you know. Sexually harassing yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, pushing himself on you. Like, but... <laughs> This is the 90s. Where, where's the uh, where's the uh, you know HR department of this you know search and rescue group because that's sexual well, harassment. The captain, the captain just walks up and says, "Yeah, yeah get going. Do you mind yeah. if put some clothes on?" Actually, I do mind. Actually, just I do. get going. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he's, he's, he was very impatient at the start. But of I, I did think again, it's the nineties, and they you know they did a bit of this, didn't they? There was a fair bit of sexual discrimination in a lot of these movies. Yes. Yeah. So it kind of still works for me. <laughs> it's not appropriate in 2020. You would not see this. It's helpful that we're men, so yeah. sort of, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, anyway, then they all gather up. They do a very like uh, post wake up alien scene, don't they? They're oh, like in the kitchen. Exactly. The They're same like thing. got food. Even the, the setting and the scenery and the, yeah. and the, the lighting the inside of the ship, the white paneling yep. and, and everything. It's just I thought I was actually going thinking to myself, did they actually? Borrow some of the sets from Alien. I think there's, I think it's just pure homage because I mean, look, mm. we all love Alien, and that, I imagine their, these their guys are coveralls. Yeah, yeah and they're half and... like some of them are half dressed, which is the same as Alien, yeah. you know, and they were eating, and and they're, they're also they're unhappy. They're unhappy yeah. at We Are, which is similar to Alien. If you remember that, you know, the two crew members are unhappy yeah, about Brit- their pay. Britain. Yeah. Um... Oh, I don't know. Either. No, I don't know off the top of my head either. But like, they're unhappy, and so they're like, "Come on, tell us the truth. What are we doing out here? Why are we are so far? We've never been out this far oh, before." Because we learned that poor old uh, woman whose name I don't know. She missed out on, on seeing her little boy. Yeah. Because yeah, like, and she's oh, no, um, it's. Yeah, I know it's, she's. It's, it's okay, you know. My ex-husband will have him for Christmas. Peter's, Peter's, Peter's right? Peter's. Yeah, yeah, and I'll get him for summer. It's okay, and you yeah. go. It's clearly not okay. No, it's not okay. <laughs> that is about as not okay. I mean, it, it is kind of fair, really, is that you'll get the summer break and she, you know. But sorry, again, still. I think we should. We need to call this something because we, you and I have talked about this previously off air. We really talked about it with Predator. Alien did it well. This film does it well again. You have a crew of weird people. Yes. You have the sexually <laughs> discrimination guy, Cooper. And, you know, you have Stark, who, like, probably really should be a captain. She's smart. You have so-and-so who's, like, missing her her son's Christmas or whatever Christmas, it is. Birthday, yeah, I whatever. whatever it was. some sort of a celebration yeah. going on. You know, you, there's these little, like, testy things going on between each crew members. But it's not the, hi, I'm a scientist. Hi, I'm a biologist. Oh, hi, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a detonator explorer. You know, yeah, like, then- like, oh, I'm a billionaire. You know, like, they, they, they again, in this... And I think it worked in this because they just went, they went really fast over it. There was not much into it. You know what I mean? Like, I think it worked because it was just within within a minute, they introduced all those characters yeah. and then they just moved on. They didn't linger we, on we it. Got, we got a bit of a taste of some of those interactions, like you yeah. said, with, with uh, Cooper and, and um, Stark and then also Peters and uh, DJ was just sort of a bit quiet and weird. Yeah, he's a bit weird. And yeah, he introduced himself as DJ. And Justin, um, what do you do? Trauma. 
Justin seemed to really know what he was doing, even though he was young and you know what I mean? Yeah, like he was, fl- he was kind of like, I don't know what he did on the ship, but he did flying something, but on the bridge he, he seemed to be a bit of an engineering type. Yeah, thing. engineering type. Because he, he, he went down to the gravity drive. Yeah, he did. Um, they all sort of knew what they were doing quite well. Um, and that's why I, like, I wrote down, like my description was like, they're a hardworking crew. Like they all seem to be doing stuff. Mm, and they've, you know? they've done things together in the yeah. past. So this film, again, like this one, I mean, we should maybe come up with a little radar of that, you know, for Space Brains maybe. Because, yeah, like, this is a good one, you know. The group the group intro. The group intro. You rate it out of five stars. <laughs> yeah, rate that bit out of five stars because this was good. This was good. Anyway, so they kind of, they're unhappy and they um, they take it up with We Are and he starts explaining the event horizon and it's kind of one of those things he starts talking science yeah, a bit in, like you do. In layman's terms. And they're like, layman's terms, dude. I sexually harass people. Come on, you've got to dumb, you dumb it down. you English? <laughs> except you got to dumb the, it down, man. I was thinking to myself, though, like, yeah, except no one would be allowed on that spaceship without a doctor. I know. Like, I know. they would all be, like, the engineer, he'd be going, oh, yeah, gravitons. Oh, yeah. oh that's a novel way of doing it. Yeah, yeah that's interesting, man. Yeah. No one's ever thought about that before. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, um, why don't we know about it? It's a shorter season for two points. <laughs> uh, what, you talking about wormholes? No, I've got to get down a picture off the wall of a naked woman yeah, and pierce a pencil through her vagina and her head to show you, to demonstrate what's going on here. I've seen that movie. I know. I, I have too. It's called Event Horizon. It's called Event Horizon. <laughs> um, so he tells them, and this is what I mean, like here he's sort of like revealing the science of it but not telling them about the black hole, which is cool, I reckon. So it's like he's holding back. And that's what it felt like, didn't it? It felt like he was telling them stuff. He was trying to baffle a bit of science. Yeah, yeah. 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 He was holding back, which is cool. Um, so he like, he demonstrates with the Playboy model or naked chick or whatever that like, if you fold at space and time, um, and go through it, that's what the event horizon, he then right at the end reveals he, he, why is he so interested in it? He built it. Mm. Um, and then they play a, this scene you're telling me about that, uh, people sort of pretended to have sex. They play this scary sound, don't they? At the end of the yeah, scene, the, the, the like it's a really creepy fucking sound. Screams yeah. and and static, and mm. then yeah, a l- little bit of voice, and the guy says, "Oh, that's Latin." Yeah, uh, and he says, "Oh, it's that's libera me, so save me." Yeah, and uh, you know, great, great okay? horror, really. Like, oh, we're going somewhere where we've just gotten a message from them which says, "Save me." <laughs> And, and <laughs> it know, sounds like a lot of screaming. Sounds like a lot of screaming. I'm not too sure if you want to be going in there, man. But anyway, and then this is what I mean about the plot moving really fast because it goes from that and then even when they bring the ship, suddenly the ship's got turbulence, doesn't it? Yeah. Like they're well, coming they're through, and it's all Neptune. cloudy. Well, it's well, Neptune's yeah. uh, near yeah. orbit. I like I love that because it's 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 like how can we it's not just a boring you know oh here we come up on this ship it's like oh god like we might not even survive this turbulence you know the Lewis and Clark is not built for this kind it's in, increasing a bit of the tension yeah. there and it's making the discovery of the event horizon um, violent sudden and it, it almost appears like oh thank goodness we found it yeah but then they start going inside of it. Because that's what happens. That this this turbulence, and it's, it's coming up closer and closer. It, it goes through this cloud, appears, and then there it is. And they and it's slam huge on the, as well. Slam on the brakes, huge, and, yeah. and this they do a bit of a fly around, and and you do a bit of explains, scan. Yeah, that's the that's the the crew bit and the engineering. And there's a main uh, airlock halfway yeah. along. They they 
hook onto, they grab hold, they clamp onto the aerials. That's not a load-bearing structure. <laughs> Crunch, it is now. Yeah. Like, uh, and Stark is, I mean, again, this is the thing. Everything's moving really fast. Like Stark's like, there's no radiation, but it's only really minor, so we should be okay. Yeah, um, and then signs. that's when she says there's life signs, but it's weird. It's it's They're moving, very minimal, but they're moving all up and down the ship. Yeah, it's scattered all over the ship. Which, yeah. is a, which is a little bit of a clue about the whole thing. And then they're it? trying yeah. to say, oh, maybe it's interference. Yeah. Or is it, and she says, well, no, I don't think so. Yeah. But Stark I mean, they're, they're going. Well, they've never seen anything like this. So they they put out the umbilicus. I thought of Alien there. Yeah, that, that thing coming out. It had that organic, you know, ribbed it look. It looked like it was, and even the the front of the Lewis and Clark had that smooth back yeah. shape like the alien head. It looked like an alien head with its little. It did. Proboscis. It would it would be interesting if um, good old Anderson could get online and tell yeah, us about I'll, that. I'll, like, I'll hook up. Was with that his intention? Good old Paul William Scott Anderson. Mm. And ask him about that. Oh, you know his full name, definitely. Oh, well, yeah, but that's because we're on full name basis. He calls on. me Sorry John Hughes. <laughs> so they decide that, well, they're not getting these proper readings. They need to enter the ship. And um, the Captain Miller is going to go on board. Stark's going to go on board. And um, Weir has a stay behind. Weir wants to go, but he's like, no, you don't go and you're going to be here to tell us what's going on. Justin's also going to come on board. So kind of like very minimal, like a couple of them are going to go on to sort of like check it out, which makes a lot of sense. Um, and they go in and there's things floating around. And there is one of those great jump scares on Miller, which is like a glove comes yeah, over his hand. He's in the medical bay. Yeah. He says, just doing a, a life scan, you know, there's nothing in here. It's not, yeah. And this like, like glove comes over and the way out. it's shot, it just kind of, so we don't see. It's like there's a hand coming around his face, isn't there? Yeah, that and would, then that he would like freak freaks out. out. Yeah, yeah, it would freak out because, again, you're blinded, aren't you, in the, in the suit. Um, so they kind and of it, like the hand comes. And it'd be so quiet. Yeah, yeah. Because everyone's floating. There's no sort of footsteps or anything like that. Yeah. And, um, yeah, is it Stark? She discovers blood in the bridge yeah, i think and then the but light behind flashes. The <laughs> light flashes and there's like there's this blood spread oh. and growing it looks like it's growing oh, doesn't it like gore. It's, just, oh. it's not nice no i mean that's very alien isn't it, that as well was, like because it looks like it's growing it's it blood that's growing look, and yeah. yeah not nice it's not at and all. then old justy justin he heads on down into the engineering section yeah and this uh, oh, I'm just going to jump straight forward to one of my favourite scenes. This is this is going to be a favourite scene here. Yeah, where he comes in. So so far the ship has been it's been a bit um, industrial, a bit. You know, like I said, yeah, uh, like the alien um, ships that they had on there, like the yeah. the Sulaco and so forth. It had that same sort of feel of, of being a fairly um, utilitarian. There's sort of what you'd expect. Yeah. This hallway down the middle had a distinct feeling of like a very phallic or, or, or a throat or something. But he gets down the bottom and he opens these doors and we're stepping into a whole nother world of yeah. horror because the doors open up and there's a rotating corridor. Yeah. And it, yeah, he says, what the hell is that? He says, oh, that's to maintain, you know, the so you don't disrupt field. the magnetic fields. Yeah. And he says, yeah, it looks like a meat grinder. Yeah. And it does. It looks like a, a, a grater and, and a, yeah. a meat grinder. Constantly twirling. Spinning around. And yeah. you're just looking at that going, surely someone's going to fly into that and get ground into yeah. the pulp. The- and, and you know what it's like? It's, it's like the old 
house of horrors. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? Like the the old sort of like walking down a, a, a ghost um, train ride that you might get at an amusement park or house of horrors kind of thing where you walk. I remember as a kid walking down one of those things where it's like it's all mirrors. Yeah. Uh, or the mirrors are spinning around like that. Yeah, it's and like so a, it's a twirling, twirling around thing. you and you walk down a straight corridor but because it's twirling around you, it's very disorientating. And then you know? the doors at the end of that open yeah. and they're not just like the other doors that they... They form what looks like the biohazard symbol. They do, yeah. And when they I'm open, they've got spikes on them. Yeah. Like you're going spikes. It looks yeah. like a, a, a mouth. Yeah, or something opening. Horror and stepping into that room with the the core, the big core, and it's just it's all fractal spikes in sort of a rust red, gunmetal grey sort of arrangement with this. Twirling, twirling thing in the middle, which again has got this fractal spike sort of arrangements on it. And there's spikes all around it as well in the room. Spikes, the which whole, is weird. The whole room, it looks like like a, a, a horror setting. It, it like, does. It really does. But at the and same, this ball starts like illuminating, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's, spinning. It's got, it's got the three rings around it. Yeah. And the three rings that just have nice, clear white lights. Yeah, shining out in contrast. To the whole rest of the room, which is just all these weird metallic shadows and spikes yeah. and 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 gratery looking things, and that whole scene, like if that doesn't set you on edge, then nothing will. Because and, yeah, there is. It's weird. It's it's totally bizarre. And then he's he relays back. There's coolant everywhere. There's like floating coolant. You know, and he's like touches a bubble, very '90s special effects. You know, like touching a bubble in yeah, the that's, air, and that's it, like, from noise. Yeah, you can thank uh, Terminator Two for that technology. <laughs> yeah. And um, that's another move we're going to have to do. Yeah, so we cut from that, and uh, Stark is it Stark? It's Stark, isn't it? Yeah, she's yeah. up on the bridge. So she, um, yeah. So she. Oh, we said that. Sorry, before, um, and she discovers in this moment that there's a dead body. Mm. Uh, which kind of freaks her out at first, then she examines it, and his eyes are clawed out or popped and out. Or, his flesh is and he, torn. Yeah, his flesh is torn, and he's kind of he's just floating and there. One of these guys the makes a, a comment that it looks more like a wild animal has yeah. been tearing at him. So they're, they're like, be cautious. Back to Justin in that courtroom. Uh, I was going to say, at this stage here, I distinctly, because I hadn't seen anything about this film before I saw yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know it was, it was going to be a horror. Yeah. But all of these cues leading up to this were of Alien. Yeah. And it was not too long after I you know, had really gotten into the Aliens stuff. Yeah. And I'm watching this thing and there's all this sort of Alien sort of looking. Uh, well, you were thinking that there was so going to maybe going be a creature, right? And then, yeah, there's like this body that has been like, looks like it's been torn out. And so you're just going, okay, there's something on board here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's the impression again is that there is something. So it does it from that moment, the dead body cuts back to Justin in the core and he's saying that there's a weird, weird, weird reading of life. Mm. And there's kind of this moment in this, in this minute with Justin because he looks at the core and this is what then happens time and time again in the film, but he kind of looks at the core and it's almost like then time for him is one that something is happening. And then yeah. for everyone else, because then on the other end, it kind of cuts back to, you know, Captain Miller and that. And, it, and it's like they've lost contact with him. Yes. It, 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 he's it, gone. His video feeds yeah, is gone. Everything static. is kind of like gone, even though he then in that moment, which we get to see, he's still sort of just taking in the room. Isn't it funny, though? It's analog static. Yeah. Whereas you think 
would be using sure they'd be using digital cameras, in which case yeah. you just get those weird JPEG sort of blocking. Yeah, you get those effects, blocking, and then it just go blank because. But oh, yeah, yeah, back in back in the day, they, <laughs> they had flat screen little panels though. That they, they did, were didn't they? Communicating with it's pretty good. Because people were used they weren't to touch screen though. People were used to that. Yeah. Um. And so he his signal breaks up and all that kind of stuff, and the core comes alive with the lights. They all start flashing at him and doing a weird thing. They stop. Don't they, they synchronize. They yeah, synchronize but... and stop. That's a good way to put it. Um, and uh, he puts his hand to the core. Yeah, the core, which it... was all bumpy and spiky and rough, <laughs> stops and turns yeah. flat black. It does. And so he like, puts his hand there and it's melted. It's like metal. Yeah, it's like oh, black oil or yeah. something. And so he puts his, and he's putting his fingers in, his finger in it, he's putting his hand, and he's handy, and then all of a sudden it's like something that grabs him. Yeah. And he's pulled into it. Had he watched Stargate, he yeah. wouldn't have been quite so keen no. to do that. Well, I didn't think, well, I mean, so many times in these movies, they're so keen to put their hand in these things, aren't they? He's in a spacesuit for a reason, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway. And uh, I mean, it's great because he's been, he's got some sort of tether, and that just like. Yeah, whizzes out. It's like I love Jaws that. Is, I always love that. Yeah. Like, it's like Jaws is grabbing. It is. It is. And he, he whizzes off. And they're all frantic. Until like, oh, something's been pulled in. Hits the end and goes clunk and crashes a little bit out and sparks fly. A lot of yeah. sparks in this movie. Goodness knows why they have so many fireworks in their spaceship. Uh, yeah, and, and that goes tight. And then uh, Cooper, I think, goes charging down the line. He's, he's the rescue technician or whatever it is. I'm not sure what that means, but... Yeah. He chases, you know, pulls himself down this line because there's still zero gravity in there. Yeah, and like the core kind of like blows out, doesn't it? It's like there's an electromagnetic yeah, just, kind of... Just as Cooper's reaching down the yeah. air and it sort of spits Justin, Justin back, back out. out and they bump each other and go flying towards a wall and yeah. I was convinced they're going to get yeah, skewered. Yeah, yeah. But they miss they missed the it. spikes. Actually, no one got skewered on those spikes. No, I know. For all the spikes, no one got skewered. No. Even when... Uh, Peter's, yeah, like dropped. So they, they land, boom, just as, it's like, yeah, it explodes back. Explodes, and, and it, like damages the ship and also the Lewis and Clark. Yeah, the Lewis and Clark gets seriously damaged. And then the <coughs> gravity turns back on and all of the, the coolant goes splushing down and the body that's floating in the, the bridge falls to the shatters. deck and shatters. Which is very cool. I've, I'm going to guess they must have actually made like a a gelatin body or something yeah, and something frozen. Like that. Yeah, so cool. Um, and and because of the Lewis and Clark being damaged, they all have to retreat onto the event horizon now because yeah. the Lewis and Clark wasn't safe. It's the oxygen's out. Venting atmosphere yeah. too fast. Yeah. So they they get on there, and what's great here as a writing thing for a feature film is that. They kind of like reassess what's going on and what the situation and what they have on the event horizon is about twenty hours of air. A time clock. Yeah, they have a time clock. Blake Schneider would say. Yes. They've got a yeah, and they keep mentioning it as the time ticks down. They've got a deadline. It's not like oh, okay, well, this has got you know regenerating air and gravity and uh, you know there was enough food supplies on here for a crew for of, months of time. Yeah. How many for months? You're like, yeah, yeah. we we got plenty of time. We, we got just, less than a day. We just make our way. Slowly and surely. And, Instead, and, we're on a ship that's probably going to kill us and we've got 20 hours of air. <laughs> so yes. either way, we're going to die. And, yeah, we don't want to take the ship. Because the thing is, they didn't want to stay on the, the event horizon no. to come back. Because they could have done that as well. Yeah. But they sort of went, no, 
um, what was the name that uh, Smith 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 yeah yeah they call him Smith I'm sure of it but Smith the um, Sean Pertwee John yeah. Pertwee's son if uh, I'm not even going to mention the show that John Pertwee was on in case you know he comes back in time and gets me but <laughs> <laughs> takes me away on adventures yeah yes but uh, yeah so Smith He's constantly saying, I am not staying on the ship. Yeah. I'd rather spend 12 hours out in the spacesuit yeah. working on the uh, Lewis and Clark than spending a minute in the ship. So they're all, they're all like repairing the ship and they're going to bring resources from, from the right. Event Horizon into the ship rather than bring all the resources from Lewis and Clark into the Event Horizon. So we sort of have this like task on hand, like you just went, Smith and Cooper are going to try to fix the Lewis and Clark. <clears throat> um, at the same time... Cooper is saying that he saw the liquid that Justin was involved with, and but it doesn't make any sense. Weir is kind of saying, "Oh, you might have hallucinated that." Yeah, or Weir was like um, being straight away. Weir was more holding back, and Captain Miller was like, Ugh, and he pulls him up on it, doesn't he? You know, um, so and well, this he, is he was quite confrontational, saying, "Well, I'm, I'm sorry, you were just delusional." Yeah, it's like, I, I do like that because at first I'm thinking, "Oh, he's hiding something." Then I was thinking, "Well, no, actually." This is, as we learn later on, this is the ship that he was working so hard on that he ignored his wife and his wife committed suicide. So he's got to defend the ship. While he was away. So, like, I get the feeling that if this ship doesn't reveal something or have something, it's it's like his wife's death was, you know, totally pointless. So, but he's he's still, he's also doing the the real hardcore science person, I think. I got the impression when I was watching at that point because we haven't learned about the suicide yet. Yeah. We know that his wife is dead, but we don't know did did she die? Like how did she incidentally, die? or yeah. was it important? Yeah, we don't know yet. I got the feeling that he was doing that that um, real science denial person, as in uh, not science denial, but as as in he's strongly saying no. What you are saying does not make any yeah. scientific sense. Yes, yeah. But at the same time, because as we learn later, he doesn't know what the heck is actually going on inside that ball. Like he set up conditions, but he doesn't really know what it is. I think he's really trying to convince himself also that there's nothing else going on because he's been having these visions as well. Yeah. And, and that's the moment in this discussion anyway, that he reveals to the captain that it, it, it is like using a black hole is part of the technology. It's how we've done it. Like it opens a black hole. We don't, and he doesn't, actually know what's on the other side of the black hole. I, I'm definitely writing a book about a black hole yeah. generator-based industry. So although scientifically, which again as an audience makes sense, like maybe this, these guys are delusional. Maybe they did imagine something. Maybe the ship's playing a trick on them. Maybe they don't have enough oxygen. You know, this old thing like you don't have enough oxygen, your brain's playing a trick on you. Who knows? You know, like who knows? So it makes sense. But then he's also saying, well, eh, yeah, well, I don't really know what's in the black hole. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a black it's, hole. It's a black hole yeah. and... You know, it's um, who knows. Who knows? Um, so the yeah, they, and they go to the core, Weir and uh, Miller, and it's this. You know, they really sort of examine, and that's where we get to see it a bit clearer with the big spikes and the metal, and it's just spinning. It's not the liquid metal at this point in time. Um, and the Miller decides that the no one else will come in here. He decides yeah. lock it off. You know, no one else is allowed in. It's closed off. Um, we are here looks at the core and this is what I'm saying that we see it a few times before he looks at the core 
Yeah. And he gets a glint in his eyes, doesn't he? Everyone's pupils kind of... Yeah. It had happened to Justin and it happens to Weir here and it happens to a couple of others later in the film, um, including um, Peters when Peters. she, you know, yeah. she kind of gets sucked in. So they kind of have these moments... And then the captain as well. So they have these moments that if you kind of look at it for too long, it kind of sucks you in. Yeah. Well, maybe that's sort of a, a <laughs> reference to the... the is it uh, Nietzsche? He said, you know, you stare into the abyss. Yes, you for too long. don't know what's staring back at you. Yes. Um, so then Peters is in the room with Justin. He's in the medical room and they're kind of doing their thing with him, trying to get him better. And uh, this is where you get some sheer freaky, diggy horror, don't you? Mm. That She's there with Justin and suddenly there's this like yeah, the kind noise of noise. And like she's looking over and there's nothing there. And then, like, happens again. She starts walking. All of a sudden, one of the medical bays has got, like, a tent over it. And there's a hand. Yeah. And you're like, holy shitballs, Batman. What the f*** is going to be behind that? And she kind of gets closer to it and pulls it open. And um, it's her boy. It's her son. Oh, yeah. And he's got these... Oh, his legs, legs. His legs are messed. You know? Apparently, there was maggots. I didn't... It didn't spend enough time. No, it was a real maggots. quick, you know, shot, wasn't it? In the original... Footage there was longer on it, and that was one of the ones where people sort of said it was a bit much weak. I say, and, and she says, "Mummy," uh, the child does say, "Mummy." Yeah, uh, and then then he's not there. Like she kind of looks away, and he's yeah. Not yeah. There. Uh, Cooper comes up and says, "You're right." Yeah, and which she, was great. So it was like you know, like he was suddenly there on top of her. So this she, film played. It's the same in the courts. Like they played off. You know, the same with the hand coming over. Yeah. It's like they they didn't give us the audience the advantage of seeing everything you yeah. know like they're like you know here's a screen but there's stuff going on around it you don't always well, see it's it. kind of keeping us to the disadvantaged viewpoint of the character yeah she couldn't see and likewise uh captain miller couldn't see that it was just a glove he yeah. could only see you know, a hand what yeah. looked like a hand creeping around yeah. the side of his face he's like yeah. holy crap and from there we and again this is what i'm saying about the narrative like as this has happened with pj we suddenly have like the lights go down there's a huge power drain and they, they determine that the core is dr- suddenly draining the ship's power. Yeah. And Weir, so Weir and Miller go down. And this, again, is a, oh, this is probably one of my favorites. This like, well, well, Weir says there's a, must be a short shortage yeah. electromagnetic. So he uses science language, yeah. <laughs> again, to sort of say, eh, it's nothing spooky. There's probably like a computer ship that's draining power. So he calls into this like tunnel. Like my laptop, it does Yeah, that. suddenly every now and then it, it draws power. Fair enough, you know, we, I can agree with that. So Captain's left him the core, Miller is left there, and Weir goes into this green computer chip tunnel. Oh. That must have got you really excited. I mean, honestly, was, like... It was a very exciting... And the walls, I, the ceiling of this tunnel are all computer chips. I did get that feeling again of 2001. Yeah. Where he's crawling through Crawls Hal's it, yeah. guts. And it's it's almost a similar, uh, so a bit of an analog there where he's crawling through the guts and he, he opens up the panel, he starts messing, yeah. and he pulls out a little chip. He's like smoking. Yeah, he pulls out a chip and looks at it and goes, yeah. and, and then the lights start flickering. Yeah. And there's whispering. movement and whispering. And he pulls out his torch. Yeah. But <laughs> uselessly, little... his torch is flickering at the same time yeah. as the other lights, which meant that when the other lights are black, his torch is black. And... And we've got the whispering and, and the camera closes in on him. So it's kind of like punching in on him slowly, and slowly. He's breathing heavier. And, and he's heavier. like looking down one tunnel, looking down another, and you know that there's something freaking in there. Because he has to be at a crossroads. Yeah. I mean, 
of course. And he kind of does panic here, which is interesting because mm. up to this point he was very sciencey about everything, whereas yeah. now suddenly it's like because it was Claire, it was Claire's voice was whispering, and then she's there, isn't she? Yeah, for a, a brief second, and um, I think she says she's going to show him everything, or show him the ship or something. She says something like that. Oh yes, the the, the ship has so many things that you you wants you to see. Yes. Yeah, something like that. Come here. <laughs> um, yeah, and it, again, we cut from that to Justin awakening. And um, oh, he grabs, grabs up and he, well, he starts um, frothing at the mouth and, yeah. and and carrying on. Yep. So And he talks about the dark. The dark. The, the dark, dark is coming. And he kind of goes back out, doesn't he? Has a snooze. Um, and the captain, he's back in the core, you know, and that's the thing, like, he's kind of like, Miller, uh, sorry, he is Miller, sorry, he's like, we're, we're, and we're down the computer chip tunnel not answering him back because he's freaking out with Claire, and then we've got this, like, burning man coming out of the core, don't we? Yeah, not the cool sort of alternative party that happens in Like, he's literally a man on fire, and Miller just kind of, like, stares at him, doesn't do anything, just, like, just stares him down, I think. Yeah. That's that's the power of Lawrence Fishburne. Well, what are you going to do, really? Yeah. And this is where they, they kind of like, they have a scene where they they start talking and people get freaking violent, don't they? Yeah. They, you know, they, Smith. Smith's I mean, not happy with Weir and just jump on him. And then DJ does like goes all freaky. And yeah, this is one of those ones knife. where he's like, this is one of those... Uh, things to him with a the core seems to take over and yeah. he's suddenly got like a, a scalpel thing up against his throat yeah and he says nothing's going wrong it's all okay it's all fine and everyone else in the room's going holy uh, shit DJ, yeah that just escalated uh, a bit quickly let's 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 back it off a little bit yeah so they kind of like they calm down and you know the captain tells them all to go do different things but they're all a bit like oh okay stick away from dj he's a psycho um uh, yes, yeah, Stark uh, then reveals to Miller that she thinks the ship is alive yes. and is actually, what if the ship is reacting to things that they're doing? Yeah, an immune response. Yeah, like an immune response, which is really, and he kind of like scoffs that off. Oh, you silly woman, don't say that to me. <laughs> he, he, doesn't, he doesn't agree with her at that point. Um, and they have at this point they have about ten hours. So we're, again, the ticking ticking clocks clocking along. Um, and there's a great scene here. I mean, again, this is like a bit of a favourite in horror because PJ is in the me- medical PJ. suite. D- no, 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 PJ. Um, Peters, Peters, sorry, Peters. I'm missing Peters and DJ. Peters is in the medical suite with Justin. He's passed out on. He's unconscious on a table. She's pacing the oh. room up and down, and the camera follows her. So, again, it's like we see Justin and her and Justin goes out of shot. She paces down one, one all the way to the end. She paces back. He's gone. Yeah. This well, is a dude well, that was she unconscious. She paces a couple of times and he's there. He's yeah. there. And, and then he's gone. In the audience, you're going, when's he going to go? Yeah. Because you know, you know, you know he's going to. Yeah. Or someone's going to appear. It's the same as a good old mirror. You know, the, yeah. The bathroom mirror. They, they're they looking there, doing their bit of makeup or the teeth. They open the mirror door, get something out, close the mirror. Someone's behind them. Yeah. And what has he done? He's put himself in an airlock to be sucked out of the ship and die, obviously. Yeah. And so they all, Stark, Smith, um, 
and uh, Peters, they're all like trying to talk him back, but he's, you know, he's off in his the core, you know, he's, he's talking, talking about the dark stuff. and he's like, once you see what I've seen, blah, blah, blah. And um, he, you know, he presses at the airlock and it's got 30 seconds and Miller is like coming because Miller's outside the ship trying to fix it. He's pacing towards him and we've got this great like, you know, cutting from Miller trying to get there in time to them telling uh, him. After and the and alarm goes, yeah, Justin sort of wakes up. And he's back to being And he's him. like, I, I don't want to die. No, I don't want to actually just, die. Stop it, stop but, it. And they and say, we can't. can't. Stop it. It's already started cycling. Yeah, you're, you're all going to stop it from And then the he's inside. going, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Yeah. And oh my God. And Miller starts saying to him, look, put yourself in a ball. Take a big, breathe out all your air. I'm going to catch you. Hold your eyes. Hold your eyes. You know, don't worry about your eyes. And we've got this kind of like trail of blood starting to like pour out of his eyes and all those sort of mouth and oh, probably his butt as they would say um and Actually, I, i'm gonna talk about some research about that later <laughs> uh and um yeah captain actually like gets there doesn't he like so the ship ejects him and he catches him and brings him back in there's just like blood splashing everywhere and all that sort of stuff just in time um just in time but he does save him that was his nickname yeah <laughs> um and this is where we are starting to get a bit trippy after in when it cuts back to yeah he's, like he's starting to go a bit loopy in the captain's yeah, chair he's been a bit loopy he's, he's not quite there yet but he's kind of being a bit funny he's taking the power position back he definitely takes over the yeah. captain's chair um and captain and we uh, they have this little like debate about like what's going on uh in the situation um, and this is where Captain Miller, on his own, hears voices, and he hears about. He, he puts his head, like, which is typical. He's like, you know, being a captain, he has to take the stress of everyone. But he puts his head on the ship, and that's when he hears the voices. Yeah, he gets a little flashing vision, and so he has that sort of thought of, oh, maybe Stark was right that mm. the ship is controlling us, or you know, doing something to us at that same time. Um, and this is where he has that reveal, um, and it is to DJ, isn't it, that he reveals that on a previous mission he allowed, he, he locked the doors on a fire that was killing a colleague to save himself and save other people. Yeah, that's his sin. Yeah, it's his sin. He has to repent for that. <laughs> and he also says, uh, uh, DJ says, well, you have never told me that. And he goes, I have never told anyone yeah, that the story. Ship knows so the ship, story, the ship knows the secret. Now, is this where DJ says, reveals that he's translated more? Yeah. Of the the uh, message? Yeah. And what? So what does he translate? Uh, it was liberate right. et tu mia or something like, something like that as opposed to liberate me which means save me, be, to be save yourself. And there's a little bit more. And this is a, this is a, a beautiful horror bit, isn't it, where yeah. it's, it wasn't a distress call. It yeah. was a warning. Yeah. <laughs> the phone call is coming from upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Sort of thing, yeah. The phone call is coming from inside the room, you know. Inside your house. But he's also like, is it, is save, it's not save, my, you know, save me, it's save yourself. From hell. Yeah, and it plays the rest of it from hell. Yeah, there's hell. actually another word Ex there. Ex-infernus. Yeah, from hell. He's like, and that's what it's like, well, yeah, they have this kind of vision, don't they, of the ship, of everyone, like, killing each other. Well, um, who, who is it? Stark? Or, that happens a bit later. No, Peters has been working on the, the log. And that comes in a bit later, but it is there, yeah. 
Um, and then this is where they go to like, they're trying to get off and Weir says they can't leave. Um, but Captain is ordering them to get off, gather the supplies, gets out. Um, Peter's, a, as you mentioned before, Peter's and Smithy, I think they're, they're getting the oxygen cells or something. What, what was it? Yeah, yeah, down in the core. The, yeah. For some reason, the, the carbon dioxide scrubbers are in the in core. In the core, of course. It's a strange place to yeah. put them, but sure. Sure, they're there. I would have thought you put them up at the crew quarters, but... Yeah, and so while she's there, she looks into the core and gets a bit of a flash. Oh. And as an audience now, you know what's going to happen. Nothing and, good. No, and this little boy runs in front of her and he goes up the steps and so she follows him up. She's like, son, son. And he's like, mommy, mommy, you know, and she follows him up and up. And, she carries him then, and there's a great moment that suddenly she sees him and he turns and she like steps towards him. And of course, it's like this illusion that there's a hole. Yeah, there's a gap there. Uh, Mind gap the there. gap. Mind the gap. Yeah, and, and she, she falls. And that is a brutal fall. It's a brutal fall. That's one of those Homer Simpson style down the yeah. cliff falls. Not mm-hmm. a falling through clear space no. to land clunk on the floor. No. She, she hits stuff. Yeah. And her body goes limp as a ragdoll. I do not doubt it was a ragdoll. Yeah. yeah. But I've seen enough motorcycle accidents and things to see. It's no, a heavy that, fall. That moment when someone loses consciousness and their body does actually just go like that. Clunk, 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 bang, crash on the ground, splash. It's just kind of, yeah, half in water, half out of water. Yeah, and her, her legs are like, what are they, the compound external fractures and she's she's done. She's done. She's done. But she's not quite dead, so you know she's suffering badly. That's important to know. It's a horror film. Yeah, and so Weir actually comes into the core and he discovers her body, um, uh, but he, but you know, and he kind of like goes to her and he actually shows, you know, like a bit of mercy. Yeah, a bit of compassion. There. And, like, oh and for god. a moment, like he's like, oh god, you know, like he wants to help her, but then he sees his wife, and it's actually then his wife at another time, and mm. she's getting ready for a bath, like she's really doling herself up um, and getting naked, and you know, she puts on makeup. Um, but she's looking very cold and he's talking to her and she's not responding. It's very much here, The Shining. There's a, there's a real moment of The Shining in this scene, the Stanley Kubrick version. And um, she hops into the bath and she's got that razor, doesn't she? Yeah, the, the <clears throat> razor. Yeah, and... and so she slits her wrists and he's kind of pleading with her, no, not again, um, And uh, which is interesting because it's like it's obviously so real to him that – yeah, this is like his wife killed him, killed herself, and then he's getting to watch it again and again. Yeah, and which, he's apologising for working so hard. Yeah, and and which, when you think about the the irony of all this, is like hell. Like that would be hell, wouldn't it? Like mm. you're watching your as someone's married, I'm married too. Like watching your wife commit suicide time and time again would be a version of hell. Yeah, you know, I know. you know. So so this is something that is very disturbing, I felt, you know, like I, I did get it. And so he rips his own eyes out. Well, that's because she appears to him, yeah. standing in front of him, dripping, and he sort of, you know, hugs into her. Yeah. And this is where she says, I have such sights to show, show you. you. And he looks up. And yeah, she she puts her hands out and looks like she's about to gouge his eyes out, but it's actually cuts to him. He's he's gouging his, his own eyes face. out. Yeah, great. Like as a movie. Yeah, <laughs> I don't mean it's great as in what's going on, but I mean it's cool as a movie. And, and that's like very Clive. That's very Clive Barker. It is that, that sort of. And yeah. the thing is, like, there's a movie in the nineties. It is before this movie, I'm sure, with Sam Neill called The Mouth of Madness. Did you ever see that? It's I a saw, horror. It's not science I fiction. I saw the video cover, but yeah. I never got it. Yeah, and I mean that 
I think Sam Neill did a couple of like I'm sure it's I never googled it before we did this, but it's like I'm sure it's a pretty similar vintage. Mm. And it's funny, like he sort of did a couple of these movies in a row that are quite hellish. And then you know Jurassic Park. No, well Jurassic Park was before this. Was it ninety six yeah. Jurassic Park? Oh uh, no, like ninety four. Was that old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's older than this. Hydra Spark 3 was 99 or something. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. At least 94, maybe even 92, but I feel like it's 94. Anyone wants to come in and tell us? us. Tell us. Tell us. Maybe that will be a classic one day, sorry, as well. (laughs) I think think it is. Uh, So, yeah, anyway, so he gouges his eyes out. Um, Just, uh, yeah, then the ship, uh, yeah, they get the message that uh, Miller gets the ship that the the Lewis and Clark is ready. So they're going to, like, get on to that, you know, get off this freaking ghost ship. Um, And just when they finish it all, Smithy sees Weir on the Lewis and Clark. Yeah, walking out. And he's walking, he's actually exiting back out onto the event horizon. And he tells Miller this. And Miller warns him that... Well, Miller looks down and he sees there's a missing explosive from the uh, yeah, central corridor. From the central corridor. And so he's like warns Smithy that there may be a bomb. And so Smithy is then looking, 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 and he finds it. And he's like, ah! Finds it in his own locker. But Miller's saying, get off, just get off, get off the ship. But he's like, finds it, he opens it, five seconds left. Five seconds left. Too late. The thing is, there was a button that just said disarm. Yeah. He didn't even try pressing it. No. He just looked down and just got blown up. Got blown up. Well, you know. And Cooper crazy. was on the edge of the wing or whatever it yeah. was, Wasn't repairing this, it. This was a funny scene. Yeah, I and he got like flung off into space, didn't he? Yeah, and he's and we get we cut back to him later on, and yeah. he's like on this chunk of the spaceship, going, "Oh shit! Wow, where am I? Oh, bloody what do hell, I do?" Like, I, I, I always thought that was a little bit comical. It's it just, was. And he's, oh, I'll just blow my thing and off he goes. I'm coming back, bitches. Yeah. But before that, we cut to then we are. Um, DJ gets a warning from Miller that be careful, Weir's freaking loopy. Yeah, if you see him, uh, if you see him, take, he's like, yeah, no worries. You know, I'm a psycho. And he turns and he's there and he like picks him up and he throws him across the room and all this. He's definitely got his power over him. And he gets the bloody fish hooks out. Oh, yeah. And we sort of like, you know, we, we have a moment there. He's got a couple of fish hooks and then it's cut to this wide shot and he's... Strung that's up. That's where Miller walks in and finds oh, DJ. Yeah, strung yeah. up. And see, that is, if that's not Hellraiser, yeah, I don't is, know what is. That that's is. Having your, your skin pulled back like that. I know. Well, see, the thing is that, um, hang on, that was, that was, uh, there's uh, an American native tribe that would do that. Uh, well, they wouldn't do that to like killing them. But yeah. as in people would voluntarily yeah. hang from their skin yeah. in that fashion as if, for various reasons. But for example, to bring rain or um as a, like a, a sacrifice a vision quest type yeah. thing where they're trying to say find some inspiration uh it's it, not quite as gruesome when they did it as a ceremonial thing because they, they were meant to live they're just meant to be a a task or a harrowing this guy this, this guy, guy not he's, no, not gonna, no. he's not gonna live he, he um, was he was spread open like a um a, like a display yeah um, and Miller then discovers Stark, who's unconscious, and Weir is in the captain's chair, and he kind of like spins around in that chair, um, and he's just batshit crazy now. No, and his, his eyes, eyes are sewn shut. You know, his, his he's, eyes. he's got his eye sockets have been sewn shut, and yeah. he's got claw marks on yeah. his face. He looks he every bit look. like a crazy person. He does. Um, and um, 
Cooper, this is what you're saying, like it kind of cuts to Cooper out in the middle and he's disorientated and he like plans to use his oxygen to like zoom back. So he does that and he kind of like fires himself back. And while Weir and Miller are kind of like arguing and, and Miller's trying to get the upper hand of him. Mm, Weir is basically saying, you're not leaving the ship, yeah. you're coming back with me. Yeah. He sets... He sets a 10-minute timer for the quarter start. That's right. He starts the call, doesn't he? He starts the call, which will open the black hole. That's what he actually does, doesn't he? I'm jumping. He he says, I'm going to open it up to show you what's really... Like, what if we just open a door, you know? Why do these people always want to show you these terrible things? Yeah. Well, I mean, if the ship came back from this other side... It's kind of like, you know, when you're... You smell an open cut and you'll go, oh, that smells terrible. He smell this. Smell this, Mark. And you're like... (laughs) And for some reason, your first instinct is to go and smell it's it. Smell it's, it. You, and go, oh, that's gross. You hey, gotta make a conscious wife, effort. come smell this. <laughs> Check out, this is so disgusting. It's really good. I think so. So he, he he does. He sets the clock. It's going to be 10 minutes and it's going to actually open. The core starts doing its thing to open the black hole and unleash hell, I suppose, you know, is the idea. Um, and I think it must have been that's around here Cooper. that they'd all... Bumps into the window. Yeah. And it sort of breaks this tension. Yes. And rather than shooting at uh, Miller, he shoots at at Cooper. Cooper And it goes through the glass. And that's when Miller like dives away. And and poor Cooper gets blasted back out. He does. And the window smashes out. So all the, everything's getting sucked out of there. Everything's getting blown out into the space. And the chair, the bolts on the chair that, we're seeing on a sudden a rattle and yep. carry on and the um you know captain miller then has to struggle he flops and flaps and finally grabs a cable pulls himself through the door and stark wakes up and screams for help and and she says no no like don't worry or something yeah. he says no i'm not leaving another person behind except he doesn't say it like that he says it like Lawrence fishburne and with a bit of a struggle and will, yeah. she, will she, won't she. With the door about to shut. Yeah. They, kind they, of they get managed to get through and it closes. Petushka. They survive. And they come up with a new plan, don't they? They do. A new plan. To take us into the last moment. Last moment. They're going to... Detonate. Blow the, the central corridor. Yep. Blast the alien out, the airlock, and wait to, for the central... No, they're going to blow away the, the inner corridor and use the front part as a lifeboat. Lifeboat. Because the... The gravity couches are still working yep. and they'll just hibernate and put on the distress beacon and they'll wait for to be rescued because they, they don't have enough air to wake up and do anything. So That's right. So Miller, so Stark stays, starts readying the front part, yeah. the, the gravity couches and so forth and because uh, good old Justin's still in one of them Yeah, this whole time. And Miller heads on down, flicking the little starts detonator the switches on, yeah. and grabs the... Uh, the detonator. There's a part when when was it? All the blood comes pouring through. Well, that's now, yeah. So that so while Miller's setting those bombs, Cooper and that are doing their, you know, getting the lifeboat ready. Oh, that's right. Because oh, well, yeah, they. So we the just blood skipped comes that spot where along. Cooper comes back. Yeah, because he got blown out, and yeah. the captain got blown. Yes. Oh, the captain, uh, Weir got blown out. Yes. And then there, Miller Cooper, and Stark they, they get, oh, we're, we're finally safe, we can, we can do something. Yeah. And then there's bleep, 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 main air, airlock. Is open, and they're going, yeah. oh, my God. So they grab, like, axes and stuff. Yeah. They're going to thunk whatever comes in. And it's Cooper. It's Cooper, yeah. That's now right. it's Cooper and Stark are, yeah. are doing the... So Cooper and yeah. Stark are getting the lifeboat ready. Captain is uh, getting the bombs ready. So they're separate. And with that, Cooper is in this space that the blood starts 
coming along the ceiling. <laughs> you know, like it's really pouring along, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's and following then, the light track. Yeah, yeah. And then um, it, it Stark kind of is doing her thing and it just like she turns and it just floods. The central aquarium. Yeah. I'm, central. Not, I'm not sure what that was. A reservoir for yeah, the Yeah, reservoir. Which, look... It's the shining again. You know, this is yeah, a real homage a... to the shining of the elevators opening. You know, like I was just like, wow, this is exactly like the shining. Like it's a real homage. Like, but why not? I mean, if I, yeah, yeah. If I make a movie one day, I'd love a big corridor of blood to come pouring out of something like this. So if you can do it, and it makes sense because the whole point here was the ship was alive, you know, as a creature. So it was trying to do everything it could. Um, and that's when they say to Miller that. We're just gonna go. Like, let's just get out of here. You know, like we've got to do disappear. It. Do it now. And he's kind of almost back at the core. And when he turns, um, the Burning Man appears yeah. and starts. You know, I think he literally yeah, throws he just fire. Shoots a whole bunch of fire down. Yeah, the and so he's kind of like forced to run back, run back, and he's, he gets into the core, Dives the worst through spot. the closing doors. Yeah. so he's locked in the core there. Yeah, and of course, Weir is there, a naked Weir, all stitched back together randomly uh, and he says that he says the ship wanted me back you know mm. so the ship brought me back um and he's just a monster really at this point isn't at it? at that point yeah and, and miller does his best and tries a few to times him, with but... a uh, carbon dioxide bit and piece yeah. and uh but Weir oh, unfortunately is the... a bit yeah a bit demonic at yes. this point um and so he lets him know that well there's no way out he's just going to blow them so he that's what he does. He blows the ship. Yeah. Hits the button. The, yep. the corridor components all blow all up. Blow up. The front part Weird goes blows away up. just as the core starts to open and it sinks yeah. down into Neptune. Yeah. Where I can assure you that ship would not survive. So either the ship, it, w- it wasn't clear whether the ship sort of got sucked back into hell. Yeah. Or if it just got destroyed in Neptune's it. intensely dense atmosphere and gravity. Yeah, but either way, you know, it's dead. It's gone. It's gone. Um, so they kind of get all ready. They go into their, the, the watery sleep stations and we actually get 72 days later. And this time we have a repeat of what happened earlier to Weir, which is Stark. So Stark kind of like is woken by the rescue team um, and Weir is one of them without yeah, the pulls eyes. pulls the helmet off. And yeah, and it's Weir. Yeah. And then she wakes up and, in fact, it's the rescue team. But the rescue team is sort of like saying to them, you know, like we're going to make this happen and it's all emergency. It's a real sort of ending on on a drama, isn't it? It's not ending yeah. on a happy moment. Well, mind you, though, and I want to point out here, the, the op- when the doors open, so 76 days later, the doors... 72. 72, yeah. The doors open. And these suited dudes with like these useless flashlights that always have in movies yeah. and TV shows. I remember the, the X-Files. X-Files these, <laughs> these flashlights, which were just like laser beams. Surely the FBI has better flash, flashlights. It looks though. good because it gives you this really strong beam. That's it just, just doesn't a- light anything up. And But that was just pure the start of... <laughs> oh, guys, got some sneezes yeah. cracking along here. Yeah. The very start of Aliens, where it says 57 years. Yeah. Uh, and... The doors open and the dude comes in wearing a big suit and a light shining over the um, the the sleep pod of Ripley. Yeah, and this is almost exactly the same thing. And and the the imagery of it looked very similar as well. It it, it you could almost imagine this is in the same universe. You could. Why wouldn't they have an aliens versus event horizon? Yeah. Versus predator. Why not? Why not? 
<laughs> I would I would go to watch that movie just to see what the hell yeah. you would do where you've got this Hellraiser style horror mixed with Alien and Predator. What Anderson did do Aliens. He did Aliens vs Predator. He so just, he, he just could just tap a, them together, couldn't he? Get that in there. That that would be a movie I you'd you'd have to go see it just to know. You would, you would. Just what would happen in that context? The aliens being freaked out with ghost stuff, but we have Cooper telling Stark, "We're safe, we're safe, we're safe," and the camera zooms out and it cuts to some awesome '90s techno techno oh, yeah. music again for the Edgars. But you don't, I don't, I don't feel safe. Sorry, I no, don't I'm feel like hunt, this is a safe ending. But I'm going to hunt down that that soundtrack. It was released yeah. as four ten minute sections of music. Ah. Yes. Yeah, so, it's intense. The ending, like yeah, that's, that's another right. intense. Thing. So that is the end. That is the end. Yeah, it was uh, as you said. I I could see in the cinemas back in '97 coming in, it would be a hard sell to be a big blockbuster. Yeah, but when you start, you you look in this from the safety of your home lounge. It's the the scenery. Okay, okay so I'm just gonna cut straight to uh, and undercut some of your stuff some of the things that I noticed about scenery number yeah, one yeah. the Lewis and Clark was just totally the main ship of the um, yeah the Sulaco of the aliens yeah like the, it's down to the point where I was wondering if they used the same scenery or settings at all and then when they got on board the ship it, the, the event horizon it had all of this sort of gothic archways yeah. and cathedral like finishes and down in the core room if you know and I've been to plenty of cathedrals when I was, I was in Germany and France mm. and they've got all that, that fine detail work and little spikes and gargoyles and bits and most of the doorways particularly from the mid half halfway through to the end of the film the doorways and passages were coffin shaped yeah in fact when um, Peter's was following the kid. She was stepping through coffins. Yes. Each of those things with little coffins with these, with like sort of almost look like rivets, like oversized rivets around it, like iron coffins. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, uh, it just, it totally thrilled me. And then uh, the front part of the ship wasn't a lot better because it had the look of almost like one of these uh, nine, 1890s asylums. Yeah, you know, did, these, didn't it? These weird columns. Yep. From the you know, sort of curving up from the floor to a column up to the ceiling, plated in silvery metallic plating, it looked like uh, like Victor Frankenstein's laboratory. Yeah, it did. where he's raising the creature, and you know, with with bits of equipment hanging off and flashing. It was just again the imagery in this was so well done. Where where Alien had they moved from the Sulaco down into this sort of industrial come organic phallic sort of intestinal looking um spaces and this one they moved into what does it appear to be like yeah this gothic cathedral uh old horror you know you, you could almost imagine nosferatu yeah creeping about in there it was you just, could you could that's i didn't notice much of that the first time i watched it no day, definitely not day, but now i'm no. watching it just going Wow, there's some serious thought went into the symbology and the the alignment of action and images, and yes, yeah, it, it was fantastic. It was, it was. So, so what about the ladder? So this is the classic ladder. These films. Uh, this is our fifth one. So for me, 
I'm actually putting this in at like my third rung. So I've got the 2001 as my top rung, Back to the Future's second, and then Event Horizon comes in on my third rung, followed by Predator, followed by Aliens. That is my classic ladder results. As I said, this isn't necessarily, you know, saying that one, two, three, four, five or anything, but it's just kind of roughly that maybe. Uh, I've got, I've just got mine in alphabetic order. That's fine. At the moment, which puts Event Horizon just above Predator, but. Um... Yeah, yeah, I I I have very little basis on which to arrange because right. I could arrange them differently based on the number of times I've seen them. Yep. Versus the number of times I want to see them again versus how influential they were to this genre and so forth and that that would produce different orderings each time. Yeah, I think for the, we talked a bit, a bit about this especially when we did um Back to the Future which is our last classic episode 20. I felt that it's it's kind of like almost I'm I'm ranking the feeling I'm getting from these mm. if that makes sense like I'm, it's kind of like because all of these are really great classic sci-fi films so it's kind of like they don't necessarily like to put this film a R-rated horror yeah. <laughs> up against Back to the Future which is a comedy in a way like a science fiction comedy maybe a, a PG like, sort yeah of comedy, a P- yeah. I think it is PG like they're not at all you can't compare them at all really they're just totally different different audiences different markets different structures but at the same time it's like sort of like what does the vibe of the film it's all about the vibe sorry right, it's all about the, the vibe, vibe. Yes. <laughs> so it's like the vibe of this film like I was really impressed with Event Horizon like the pace of that drama, like a non-stop, you know, you held your breath really the whole way through it. Um, and I really was probably more impressed this time than when I saw it when I was younger. And just, I think it comes down to the homage. I think it comes down to maybe just me being older and kind of getting it a bit better. Yeah. Um, and maybe also I expected, you said it before and I felt like maybe Teenage Mark expected this film to have aliens yeah. And when it didn't, maybe I was a bit disappointed. Whereas at the age I'm at now, I'm like, oh, this really kind of like ticked a lot of those horror aspects. It, it does a, a really good job. It does. It's, so, it's more about like, you know, like Weir's the bad guy in a way, isn't he? You know, like, yeah, like it's talk, a psychological about horror. Horror things, you're going, they've got this sort of uh, a weird mystery. We, we set up with the, the um, that message that they, you know, save us in latin but there's all screams and static and it's yeah. there's something pretty wrong about that yeah and but then there's this isolation and um they can no longer depend on each other that everyone yeah. becomes unreliable and they, yeah, become, they can't trust their own mind they become a victim like. of their environment as much as anything else you know the, the fact you're in space you're all well, these horror elements which are required but then some good hard science fiction stuff in there talking yeah. about because they, they referred to firing gravitons and uh, gravitons are a they're not they're, they're gravity is one of these ones which which hasn't been well fit in so if you're looking at one side of things you want to talk about fields have a carrier um, particle now, and the way the way I'm not being terribly specific is I can't remember which which is classical, which is quantum. So one way of looking at let, let's say quantum physics, we're talking about, and correct me if I'm wrong here because I, I don't have this on my notes exactly, but you're talking about fields have particles uh, that make up the carry the field. So the electromagnetic field is carried by photons, for example. Uh, the strong 
um, force is carried by like quarks or something and the weak force by something else I can't quite remember now. Sounds good to me. Uh, but there's, there's basically every force should have, every field should be um, an, an exchange of a particle. So when a photon goes from point A to point B, uh, if it's moving relative to another particle, a photon, you get electromagnetic and or electric field force. And if it's moving relative to a body of electrons, you get electromagnetic force. And yeah, like, um, so the theory then gravity is being this field, what particle carries gravity? Yeah. So what particles exchanged between um, two bodies in order to form this field? Sounds and good. they recently found the, uh, the, the Higgs boson, which is the particle which carries mass. And what does that mean? I'm not really sure. It's, it's, it's one of these crazy deep physics sort of things. But so mass is, is intrinsic to gravity, but it's not gravity. Yeah, right. Uh, because mass is affected by gravity. Yeah. So some particle is interacting with this Higgs boson so this is the theory because yeah. there's also other theories and this is where gravity doesn't fit in very well and that would be called a graviton. So then if you could generate gravitons, for example, as is hypothesized from a black hole, yeah. then yes, yeah. you could start manipulating space-time right? because space-time is curved by gravity. This is what a gravity well is, is, is basically the curvature of space-time. It's why when you are at a... A lower potential gravity versus a higher potential gravity, time appears to move differently mm. uh, in relation to one another. So, if you remember that movie Interstellar, where they 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 I have hit not that, seen it. you've not seen it. No, oh, you should see it. We we need to add it on. To they, they go they go to a planet <laughs> which is in a deep gravity well, and there's a time difference. But anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah so so they're talking about this sort of hard science is is referring to uh, concepts, and and he dances around by not using specific stuff. Yeah, because yeah. And the other side of physics it says that uh, fields don't have to have particles, and there's no evidence yet of a graviton as such. But yeah, you know, he he dances yeah. around this, and yeah, a black hole would be uh, something you'd you'd need in order to warp and curve space time, and to get a, it's thought that a black hole has a corresponding what they refer to as a white hole. Which is to say the black hole, everything's going into. So where is it going into? And so there's this thought that, well, maybe it's going into another pocket of the universe, which has a different space-time configuration to our own. Yeah, and which, that would be the white hole. Which would, yeah, is a white hole. Uh, and so there's a thought perhaps travel could be achieved through black holes. Yeah. Uh, and and when, I, when I say, this is one of those fields of physics where basically, no, you can't do it. But if you were to look at the mathematics in a certain light and then plug in the right numbers and tilt your head to the side a little bit, you can. Uh, which, is to, which is to say that it hasn't been utterly ruled out, but it's just not something we should really concern ourselves with in a practical sense. It's more of a thought experiment. Yeah. But yeah, so there's all these great science fiction elements that are in Event Horizon with all this strong horror I have been struggling to find another movie that marries both so strongly. Yeah. Because there's a number which use a science fiction backdrop in order to introduce horror, which you could say was sort of science fiction horror, like The Thing, which is about the, the, the alien 
life form they find in Antarctica. That's on Netflix. The newer version. I, I've listened to the new version. I love oh. the old John Carpenter one. Yeah. The new one. And, and then there, there are others which are then science fiction which borrow a couple little horrific details. I mean, even that movie Gravity with Halle Berry. Yeah, yeah. Could be said to sort of borrow some horror. You know, it's got time. Sandra clocks. Bullock. Sandra Bullock. Why yeah. does that? No. Halle Berry's in that TV show Existence, whatever it was. So, no, no, Sandra Bullock is in Gravity. Yeah, yeah. Gravity. Yeah, yeah, horror elements, you know, there's isolation, there's, you know, um, dangers yeah. and time clocks, and things, but it doesn't have that sort of villainy. It doesn't have the, um, as you said, punishing sin. No, gra- sort of morality. Yeah. Gravity's more survival. Yeah, yeah it's a, way, a survival yeah. thriller. Yeah. But, yeah, as a result, I can't think of too many. No, other I can't either. Actual science fiction, actual horror at the same time. I, I, yeah, Alien is in there. Yeah, but there's, there's just it's just not common. Uh, I think it's a, a lot of hard work because horror is usually done on the cheap <laughs> because of the difficulty in finding audiences. Yeah, and I mean, look, you know, like the horror in this, like you've mentioned, it's it's you know those, those scenes that they the shots they show us of the horror. You know, like it's it's the Clive Barker, it's the blood and the gore, yeah, there's the like, screaming there people and like screeching, biting and, and chewing in and ripping people, <laughs> yeah. and then like there's someone's and hand we, going into someone's mouth, yeah, and, and then someone was like vomiting up chunks of something, yeah, and there's yeah, someone yeah. was having sex, and, yeah, yeah, and I mean even with Weir, like you know the fact that he gouges his eyes out and then they're sewing back together, mm. and then when he comes back as well at the end, like he's. He's been stitched back together, but you know it's like these all these veins are bloodied, and you know like it, it's it's not at all like he's a monster, you know. And mm. it, the whole film, there is no alien, but the 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 presence of this evil monster makes it like a hellish nightmare, you know, like which is pure horror, really, you know. But then there's so much science in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. and and one bit there, so I. I foreshadowed this earlier about some research I was reading about. Yeah. So this so, is the main science you want to yeah, talk about? Yeah, so surviving <laughs> in a vacuum. Yeah. Because this, yeah. this movie was one of the first movies to go against the grain of every yeah. other movie that shows someone experiencing sudden decompression or a vacuum or space. You know, imagine uh, you can Total Recall, for example, mm. Drops out into Mars, yeah, yeah, and his eyeballs are bulging, bulging out, and yeah. he's good. He pops and and terrible death, and other people like they they, get, they drop into space and they immediately turn to frozen corpses, and so forth. Whereas the reality is, we have very good evidence to show that you would probably survive for up to about, about a minute and a half. Yeah, uh, which and certainly, uh, this guy was only exposed for twenty seconds, thirty seconds. So certainly very very survivable, uncomfortable, uh, but uh, yeah. So so I'll just. And I mean, in this they they make it like we described it. They make it uncomfortable from the moment the airlock starts decompressing. Don't they? I mean he he starts pissing blood out of him before he's even outside the ship. Yeah. So let's just. Uh... I mean, it's the extreme uncomfortable. Get this here. So we're looking at going into a vacuum, and of course death is not instantaneous. So I was just reading up here on Scientific American, there's this fellow, um, what's his name? Bucky, Dr. J. Bucky. He is a medical school professor, he's also a former NASA astronaut, and he released a book 
uh, called in 2006 called Space Physiology, right. where he's specifically done all his research in space physio- physiology. And so, he points out, of course, being in a vacuum is will be deadly because it's, you've got no oxygen, if nothing else. Uh, you end up with, uh, you get the bends, yeah, so gases dissolved in the blood form bu- bubbles. Uh, your blood flow basically sort of stops. And 15 seconds, you'll be unconscious. And yeah, you will die. Yep. But death is not instantaneous. So one 1965 study by researchers at the Brooks Air Force Base in Texas showed that dogs exposed to a near vacuum, uh, that's like one 300 of an atmosphere of pressure, uh, for up to 90 seconds, always survived. During their exposure, they were unconscious and paralyzed. So we're not talking about just exposing poor living, you know, conscious dogs, but even still, it's a bit rough. 1965, different time, I suppose. So gas expelled from their bowels and stomachs, causing simultaneous defecation, projectile vomiting, and urination, which is what we were talking about earlier. Uh, they suffered massive seizures. Their tongues were often coated in ice. And the dogs swelled to resemble, in quotes, an inflated goatskin bag. But after slight repressurization, the dog shrank back down, began to breathe, and after 10 to 15 minutes of sea level pressure, they managed to walk. It took a few more minutes for their apparent blindness to wear off. So, yeah, 90 seconds, and the dogs took a few minutes, uh, what, 10, 15 minutes. They'll sort of back to normal. And then they kind of, yeah, I don't think they were feeling good, but they, they were, were not dead. Yeah, right. However, dogs held at a near vacuum for two minutes or more basically died. They're, yeah, they just, they died. Terrible. Chimpanzees, oddly enough, can expose, uh, withstand longer exposure. So there's a pair of papers from NASA in 1965 and 67. Uh, I, yeah, these poor animals. <laughs> but how are you going to find out about this here otherwise? Researchers, because they're going to send people into space. Yeah. And they want to tell these astronauts, yes, we know what's going to happen. So they, they chucked a couple of chimpanzees. They could survive up to three and a half minutes in vacuum conditions with no apparent cognitive defects. Uh, one chimp that was exposed for three minutes, however, showed lasting behavioral changes. Another died shortly after exposure. But there were some that would last three and a half minutes, no problem. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that um, Justin went out for... Well, he went out for about 40 seconds probably in total, didn't he? You yeah. Know, the, including the decompressing kind of of the chamber. We do have a, a human story. So in 1965, a technician inside a vacuum chamber at the Johnson Space Center in Houston accidentally depressurized his spacesuit by disrupting a hose. So this is similar to these cases where astronauts in the movies will you know, get a leak. So after 12 to 15 seconds, he lost consciousness. He regained it at 27 seconds after his suit was repressurized to about half that of sea level. Uh, he reported that his last memory before blacking out was of the moisture on his tongue beginning to boil, as well as a loss of taste sensation that lingered for four days following the accident. He was otherwise unharmed. So that's 27 seconds. So I think that was quite fascinating. So, yeah. so Justin, he would be in that category, that 30 yeah, seconds-ish. Uh, yeah, yeah, he would have suffered... Like, you know, as it showed in there, he sort of some of his blood starting to boil out. His tongue would have been hurt. His eyes would have hurt. Uh, but based on, on these experiments, things, he probably would have covered a full functionality with, within, let's, let's call it a, a few days, a few weeks of recuperation. 
So, I mean, the interesting thing which the film doesn't touch on, but is that he looked into the core. He, he saw he things. Was, he was in there and brought back out. So, his, yeah. his body might be okay. I have a feeling that he will never quite be the same. And that's, that's what I was just going to say. Like, what, because the, everyone else that sort of actually did glimpse the core died. You know, yeah. so he's the only one that saw, whereas Stark didn't look at it and Cooper didn't look at it. No, they, so, they only experienced peripheral. Yeah, sort of thing. They, they saw the outside stuff. So, yeah, he comes back with memories of the core. Yeah, yeah I don't, I, yeah, his body's going to be okay, but I would have to think about Definitely. what sort of life he's going to have after that. You could, you could hope the trauma was sufficient to induce uh, amnesia. Mm. And then maybe like one day when he's like 70 or 80, he suddenly remembers and goes, oh, my God. Ah! Yeah, he'd probably be a bit like soldiers, PSD. PTSD. Yeah, yeah, PTSD, like, yeah. yeah he'll be, Post-traumatic. He'll, he'll yeah. seem fine and suddenly he'll have like a memory of... Like, Being in the core. <laughs> like, yeah. Seeing hell. As, as yeah. if he were actually there. Because he had that... Remember they did show us that flash where he's like in hell? Yeah, there was... Like, he's actually one of the ones in hell. Yeah, you know? um, I did that look quite horrendous. Like, I think, I don't know if he's on a crucifix or something. Like, he's literally in hell sort of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. on the original footage, there was... Well, there was a... I guess it was a two-hour movie was the first rough cut. So, it was an hour and a half. So, there's a good half hour of additional footage. And a fair bit of it, apparently, was, was gory. So, yeah, that scene we saw of the log, which... <laughs> which, what you see is enough to like it's it's not it's so wrong but apparently that was a longer scene yeah so i kind of think it was good that they cut that down like because yeah it was enough that you got the impression that like there was some really wicked bad stuff going on like like proper bad yeah yeah not yeah. not just kind of a little bit sinful no but yeah. you, you got the thing is as well because at that point you you knew about we are gouging his eyes out that it's kind of like there is no creature doing this to them they they did it to each other so this crew you know that when the ship became the ship uh and came alive it created them all to do this to themselves or to each other and that's really a little bit more horrific isn't it you know then then an alien creeping the corridors because all of a sudden it's like you could turn on me and i could turn on you and you could turn on yourself like yeah, it's hell. It's hell on a ship. Your old captain sitting in his chair holding his own eyeballs. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I could have had it a little bit more, but I also like, because I kind of like, go, oh, that would have been so much fun to film. Like they would have really enjoyed probably uh, doing it, that. But then at the same it. time, in the context of the story, it was nice just to have these tiny little snippets because it's yeah, just enough it, for it your brain. You going, to, okay, it's, it's yeah, bad stuff going there, but it's not bad like enough. you didn't get enough that you sort of got used to it. Yeah. Which, which I think in uh, some of these films you, that are sort of, I guess, torture porn, yeah. as, they, as they're referred to, these horror films and body horror, yeah. some of them go a little bit too far. And you, they and do. You, and you get a bit numb to it. You kind of go, yeah. oh, he's getting his legs sawn off and a yeah. nail hammered into his yep. skull. Okay. Well, it's the, old, it's the old, it goes back to Hitchcock, like, and even before Hitchcock, but it's Hitchcock kind of made it famous that, you know, like you, you, you see things, but you... You don't have to see it all because the brain fills in so much more yeah. danger anyway. So, like in that example, if they'd shown us more of it, well, they would numb us. They would numb us to it. You yeah. know. So it's like there's a fine line between showing you too much and not so much. And I think you know it's interesting. I think about this in this day and age that 
really because of the internet, you can Google and look at anything, right? So if and you're you the kind of no, you shouldn't. You I'm, can't not, I'm not suggesting it. Yeah, that's oh right. God. You can't say it. But what I'm saying is like, so therefore, when you sit down to watch a movie like this. I mean, you don't need it to show you everything. It's not no. what you want. If you're the kind of person that needs to see that stuff, well, you can go Google it. It's not the point of the movie. And the point of the movie is to kind of like give you a little glimpse to let your imagination run with it, you know? Yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah. So you, you spoke a little bit about some of the um, Kubrick throwbacks and, yep. and some of the other businesses. What, what else sort of stood out to you about the cinematography and, and the way it was? Filmed? Well, I'll probably just, you mentioned the ship before and like, I think. You, you were kind of taking it from that artistic uh, or sort of, you know, the building perspective and maybe like old temples or churches, European. Mm. I did see that Anderson, um, apparently him and the set designer got a bit obsessed with European art, like 19, the 16th century, 17th century kind of art. And he was like, that's how he depicted the ship and the hell scenes was like those sort of ideas of... Yeah. Of like, so there was a bit of a time place, but to me also, I I was when I was taken in the, before I, I looked at that after watching Event Horizon this time, um, but for me when I was sort of like taken in the ship, the ship, thinking it was alive, like all the curvatures of it, mm. um, there was lots of like if you took the captain's desk, how it was like plugged in, there was lots of like cables. The captain's desk, the pilot's desk on the Event Horizon actually had cables coming off the top of it and to me it was more like veins or like arteries and you know that kind of idea like it was that central corridor had a very yeah throat or like you said phallic like yeah but it could have also been like it seemed like a a tube didn't it you know Mm. like it seemed like a breathing apparatus or something like really in 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 reality what the hell was that in scientific terms because it just seemed like a big open corridor (laughs) i I got the feeling they just wanted to keep the crew if I was a crew going on there and I saw that such a long corridor down to the, yeah. the drive, I'd be like, that drive's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. You're trying to keep Just us keep as us far away. away as you can engineer us to be away while That's still right. maintaining integrity of the ship. Yeah. Um, so to me, like, and then, like, we had wires and then we had literal blood, you know, like it's like the ship's blood. Um, but also then connecting to what was interesting, you said it before, the doors to the core had what seemed like the biohazard symbol. And that was an interesting thing because I, I picked up the same thing. I'm like, oh, wow, it's like the bio. Like, it's literally like, isn't that warning him that what's behind the doors? But then in other parts of the ship, like in the medical lab, there was the three lights that looked like the biohazard symbol again. And there was, um, I noticed the bio, I wrote it down a few things like, yeah, the lights on the ship, um, the door to the medic room, they actually then had the biohazard symbol. So it's kind of like saying that, well, this ship is yeah, a biohazard. A biohazard. <laughs> um, and yeah, but the curves and the wires and all that kind of giving us the idea that this is a living organism and lights that look at you through the dark like eyes. Like, you know, that was the thing with the core. Like once it synced up, it had these lights. Yeah, you know, the, like, the, or the rings with... And, and the white, and in contrast to everything else in the core, there are these beautiful white yeah, headlights. Yeah, soft light headlights, yeah. Yeah, like all in a ring that just sort of catch you. And they did a zoom in a close up of the person's, the character's eye, and you'd see the lights reflected in their iris. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting. In terms of cinematography, I mean, we talked a lot about music, the great 90s music, but in terms of cinematography, there was actually some cool moments. Like there was a really cool pool focus. Um, oh, in scene. The green tunnel. Yeah, in the green tunnel. 
um, which is kind of going back to Scorsese. Um, and that was like, you know, it like, so we see it where we have the character kind of almost looks like they grow out of the screen, you know, because, and everything kind of comes towards us. Um, many filmmakers have done it. it, goes back to an old Scorsese film from the 70s. Um, and it's very disorientated. That's great. And I think, you know, we have mentioned, like, obviously Anderson has referred to horror like Kubrick with The Shining, Clive Barker, like that. But then he's also done 2001, you know, mm. which not really a horror, but science fiction in that in that regard. So, um, well, that shot where they're coming out of the umbilicus, the first yeah. entering. So, well, the three of them are each at a different angle floating in the camera. You can't tell the orientation of the camera because none no. of them are up. No. No. The, the, each of them are three of them, almost like the biohazards. That's but right. The three of them are each mm. in a separate orientation. That, they are. that was yeah. It was just like that um, the 2001, where yeah. uh, on the the spaceship where the waitresses, you know, they carefully yeah. walk pad pad pad, and then they sort of yeah. walk up the side and across. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, and there is those homages to 2001 and the funhouse idea of the magnetic room that spins on itself and all that kind of stuff so yeah i thought it was a really great film in that way and also the color red plane again which i mean is used in a lot of films like this you know red being murder or blood and that kind of life force idea was definitely used throughout so yeah lots of symbols but see if you're out there you can hit us up on our instagram and facebook and twitter and let us know what you picked out of event horizon well, that's probably about it for tonight, hey, sorry. Yeah, I think so. We're going to call it quits at some point. We, there's more we can talk about, I'm sure, but let's talk about the fabulous movie that we chose for next week. So, yeah, if you're out there, you can let us know what you thought about Event Horizon um, and what we talked about tonight, whether you agreed with what we talked about or what we didn't talk about, and if there's any other bits that you want us to talk about next time. So please check us out on Twitter at space brains pod and instagram and facebook at space brains podcast beautiful and let us know what you thought any opinions comments any films you want us to check out and that is all see you later see ya